Hello, my friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we are talking about the astrology of October. I am joined by my good friend Mercurius George, uh, who is coming to us in the form of a what is this? A, a 18th century portrait? Is that what we've got? Oh, my friends, here? this is Spencer <laughs> Michelle, and today we. Um, sorry, it's a uh, 19th century portrait by John Singer Sargent. Oh, well, there you go. 19th century portrait. Um, so you can see that both uh, Mercurius George and I have profile pictures here. Um, and you may have noticed that my audio is a little bit different than normal. That is because my power went out uh, in the last day and I'm coming to you from uh, an office building, um, my partner's office building here. So I, I am out of the house today and making the best of it. And um, yeah, and I thought it'd be interesting to uh, be a portrait just like uh, like Mercurius here. So um, I see we've got some people joining us here in the chat. Uh, we've got D here from the UK, Remco joining us from the Netherlands, EY is here from California, EY Washington, nice to see you. Uh, Tarya is here from Finland. Um, yeah, let us know where you're coming from here in the chat box. And if you have any questions, on the things that we're going to be talking about today. Um, yeah, so it looks like they can't see our pictures here, Mercurius. So, mm. <laughs> oh well. Oh well, our fancy portraits aren't, aren't, coming, aren't coming through today. So it goes. Um, but, we'll, you know, it's not going to matter in a minute. If you can hear us okay, then uh, it should be good to go because we'll be sharing our, our screen here. So I'm going to share my screen just so that they can look at something more something. interesting, right? Is it for all YouTube? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So how you doing, my friend? I am doing pretty well. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk and have a conversation about um, the astrology of October. Yeah, yeah. And so, so tell us a little bit more about how you uh, came to to do astrology and, and some, some of your journey here. You and I have been friends for, for quite a long time. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit more about what, what you've been up to. So I, I can't always trust my memory completely, but as my memory serves me, I feel like my astrology journey mostly began in your house. Um, I would say sometime around the fall of 2006. Um, you know, pouring over in astrology book that we probably bought at Borders or that you had bought at Borders and uh, you giving me a bit of a reading with what now we understand was a somewhat limited set of tools compared to where you are at and even I am at now. Sure. Um, so that, but, but that time period was when I first really discovered astrology. Um, for those who don't know, Spencer and I were friends through other means through music mm -hmm. um, in in Michigan, which is where I'm originally from. Uh, I now live in New York. I still do music. I'm uh, that's primarily my life is in music um, and other writing. But my astrology fascination has continued to sort of take over larger and larger chunks of my time and my energy, um, which I attribute to my North Node in the ninth house. Mm. Um, and so, you know, in the past few years, I've really gotten into Hellenistic astrology and other forms of traditional astrology. And I've studied, uh, 
with Austin Kopic, which is to say, you know, I've signed up for his classes and peppered him with questions. Yeah. And uh, um, one of our favorites here on the channel, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, and um, I started doing readings about a year and a half ago, something like that. Um, so I've been doing readings for a while and I just, you know, I've, I basically just get out of the way and let astrology continue to sort of demand of me, whatever it demands of me. And I, the way that I approach it is not, it's, I don't, I'm, I don't treat it as my profession per se, but I sort of have been learning to let it take up whatever space it wants, um, sure. which I find is more and more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and don't don't let anybody be under the illusion that uh, Mercurius here is, you know, not skilled at his craft just because it isn't his like main thing, uh, you know, 24 um, seven. You know, you and I have talked about archetypal living and archetypal experiences for over a decade now. And, you know, I've always really enjoyed our conversations on philosophy, the universe and, and things of that nature. So um, there was a reason why I encouraged you to, to, you know, maybe pursue this more because I just thought you were really talented and really skilled um, in this field. So I'm, I'm really excited that you're you're here today with us. And um, for those of you out there that didn't know, like, uh, so Mercurius here is, uh, you know, you kind of keep it a little bit anonymous, right? So that's why we're we're both kind of like behind the <laughs> the, the curtain here today. So the Wizard of Oz curtain today. Um, but but for those of you just joining us, I'm actually outside the house today um, because the power is out in my house. So I'm I'm out in public in uh, an office building um, with a little bit of a lower quality setup than normal. But but again, we're going to make do. Um, we've got some more people joining us in the chat. We've got Melissa coming here from from Albany, New York. Nice to see you, Melissa. Lisa, thank you for the for the super sticker. We have a new uh, type of thing that we can do here in the chat. A after we um, reached a thousand subscribers, we can do super chats and super stickers where you can make a donation to the show. So thank you, Lisa, for that. I really appreciate that. Um, Dimphy is here from uh, Shin Shindle. Shindle is that the Netherlands again, right? Um, and then Jessica, Jessica, another um, classmate from the, the Nightlight Astrology uh, crew. So good to see you, Jessica. Glad that all of you are joining us here today. Um, so, Jared, why don't we dive in? What do you think? Sounds good. Ready to roll? Yeah. Okay. So you and I were talking briefly before we came on about some of the, the big themes of the month and kind of going over things. Anything that just sticks out to you right away about the, the overall broad brushstrokes of, of the month ahead? Yeah. Well, if I could pick a single moment that sticks out to me, it's probably um, when, you know, toward the middle of the month, when we have the sun, Mercury, and Mars all meeting at a single degree, even though the exact Kazemis don't happen completely simultaneously, there is that kind of gathering of these planets. And even the moon is nearby. Um, and there's a new moon, which is quite close to both Mercury and Mars. So I think that's really setting the flavor for the whole month. Um, but I also was thinking about the month as a whole and it feels to me like it's kind of divided into three parts, at mm -hmm. least from my perspective, thinking it through, because we have so many planets passing through Libra this month. 
Um, and when it first begins, we have Venus and Scorpio. Um, and then we have uh, Venus moving into Sagittarius. So, you know, Venus is ruling all these Libra planets from Scorpio and then ruling them from Sagittarius. Yeah. And then the third part of the month, I guess, would be when the sun moves into Scorpio. Um, and there's, I, I just sort of found it helpful to sort of break it down into thirds like that. Um, but there's plenty of plenty of smaller moments to talk about within those larger and i'm sure we will because i know how you i know how you, <laughs> you, know, you know how i roll with the, with, you know my, you roll. with my my virgo uh you know intricacy um That's... yeah i love that i love breaking it down into kind of these cycles that where we have venus you know being playing a, a you know quite a, an important role as the host of all these planets um, another thing I'd like to do today is kind of break down the sections into decanic sections, since you and I are both kind of, uh, you know, disciples of Austin Kopic on some level. Um, I, I like to talk about the aspects that are happening within a solar decan. So we're starting off this month uh, in the first decan of Libra, and we've got kind of an interesting story that happens from one decan to the next. And one of the things that I've been seeing with Libra 1 is we have an awareness potentially of some kind of injustices or imbalances. You know, we always have this kind of introduction of an energy in the first decan, a more stabilization uh, in the second decan, and then kind of a resolution in the third. And uh, so we may be going through this now as we are, you know, going through the end of September as we're recording this. We're, you know, yesterday we, we had the fall equinox where the the sun um, is going into the, the dark part of the year where the night starts to become uh, longer than the day. And potentially we're coming into an awareness of the what we've harvested for, for the year since since we were planting the seeds in the in the spring. Um, so one of the things I wanted to just begin with is how are you seeing that play out as far as just that harvest cycle and that shift? How are you feeling that in your own life and, and in the collective so far, Jared? Oh boy. Well, yeah. Um, 2021 obviously has been quite a year. Um, in a weird way, we've settled into this, you know, the, the whole experience of the pandemic almost as a way of life. Mm -hmm. So even just thinking about you posing that question and thinking about it right now of a harvest of what we've kind of, you know, what, what seeds we've planted and whatnot in 2021. And in this, in this year, it's uh it makes me sad <laughs> to be honest yeah uh, to think about um, because on one hand we are so hampered. There's so much that we can't do. So, you know, it's like what harvest <laughs> on the other hand, so much has happened and we have, you know, I think all of us have been learning to live with this situation on one way or another. And we've all tried to sort of move forward with our lives. Um, mm -hmm. I think particularly, you know, starting around the spring, which was when for better or worse, there was a lot of opening up um, in restrictions and um, you know, a return to activity in a lot of ways. And I think part of, you know, the harvest that we're sowing now is like, the on some level the consequences of those decisions on some level living with the kind of continuing uncomfortable realities mm -hmm. of trying to you know in libra form find balance between different priorities different needs um 
And I, I, I just thinking about how, you know, there was that now I, now I see it as a very brief moment of kind of unmitigated optimism mm. in uh, the late spring into the early summer. Which, well, that was the, uh, the, the Jupiter Pisces time, yeah, wasn't it? It was. Right. And, you know, I think that sort of set a lot of things in motion, which we now, you know, we're basically, I think on a collective level, at least in the States, there was this sense of like, okay, we are now opening back up. Right. And so that meant making a lot of decisions that were really not applicable until the fall, such as, you know, opening schools. And mm. uh, in New York, it's like city workers coming back to um going back to the office has been something that I've been witnessing without, but without a lot of plans. So I think, I think part of what's coming up is like, how much did we take advantage of the, that brief moment before the Delta variant swept, not just the U S but the whole world to like actually figure out some good systems for how to deal with it. And now what's going to happen as we continue to follow through on this plan of opening up, whether it's wise or not. Right. I don't know. I, I'm bringing it fully into that, into the pandemic themes right away. Well, I mean, that's the, that's really the, I, I would say the biggest thing that we've all been dealing with as a collective still, you know, we do have some folks that maybe are, you know, <laughs> trying to move on like it's, like it's done. But I think yeah. if we have a, you know, more realistic perspective, you know, we still have people that are, that are really dealing with the, the fallout and the challenges from all of this, um, you know, as I, as I sit you know, in a random space with my, with my mask on outside my house. It's, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing that reality, um, very much so right now. Um, but I think that you're, you're definitely right. We, we are trying to figure out how to move forward. I think, you know, you can even think of this as a, maybe even the beginning of a harvest from that Jupiter Saturn conjunction that we had, uh, at the, the, the winter solstice last year, where we were still trying to kind of figure out what is the new, the new reality that we're going to be asked to, um, I don't know, that we're going to be asked to kind of manifest here as, as a group. And are we going to do the things necessary to, to take care of one another and, and do what is, is best for each other, you know, on some level. And I think that that's probably part of the thing that we see with that conjunction in, in Aquarius there from Jupiter and Saturn. Um, so moving forward, I just wanted to kind of start there because we're going to go through a progression here of, you know, we've got a first, the first couple of days of October, we're going to be in that Libra one decan. Um, we've, we're going to have a few aspects that we can talk about there and then we'll move into the second decan, which we, I think we have a lot to cover in the second decan of Libra, especially with oaths and contracts, which is, which is something that, that comes up in Austin Coppock's book, 36 Faces, quite a bit. Um, but let's start off with the, the first um, day of Libra here, the first day, well, not the first day of Libra, excuse me, the first day of October. Um, we're starting off with a last quarter moon phase in the beginning of October. And the first aspect that we have is one that we've actually, uh, we're experiencing right now as we, as we speak, or the, the kind of the separation of it. We've got a Mercury-Pluto uh, square that is going to be coming back again on that first day of October. Um, simultaneously, Mercury is going to be going underneath the beams of the sun that day, which is called its heliacal setting. So Hermes is becoming the psychopomp, going into the underworld, 
making contact with the lord of the underworld, Pluto, in a difficult aspect. Um, I know that you have some stuff in your chart that speaks to maybe playing a role as a psychopomp. Um, what are some of your thoughts on, on Hermes in that, um, that journey that he's going on and, and what he's trying to help us to accomplish? Yeah, I, I have the, the way in which I have the sort of psychopomp signature in my chart is indeed a Mercury-Pluto connection. So I guess in, in that sense, this is a, this is a uh, combination that I'm intimately familiar with, though I will say I have, I have that in a conjunction and I, uh, I see it playing differently in a square, um, okay. even though I'm not always, I don't always feel capable of describing it perfectly, right? However, that's, that's, that's definitely part of it for me is that that need to describe it perfectly, I think has to do with my Mercury Pluto. Sure, <laughs> sure. So yeah, but as for the psychopomp element here, I think what's interesting is you're describing there's multiple, there's multiple uh, sort of dimensions of, of shadow and, and darkness at play mm -hmm. um, between, you know, the helical setting where Mercury is like, all right, see you later, folks. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and be invisible for a while. Um, and then the, the shadowy nature of Pluto, which I, you know, consider an honorary malefic, um, which is, you know, bringing, if, if, if not casting a shadow explicitly on the light of Mercury, it's bringing it to shadowy depths, mm. uh, things that are hidden or, sometimes hidden in plain sight. That's what I find interesting about Pluto. It's almost as if there's like an alien Plutonian realm that we're all living in. And when you have like a Pluto experience or transit or something like that, it's almost like you've been abducted. Um, yeah. Maybe yeah. you didn't even go anywhere, but it's suddenly you can see what was always there. Through, right. which pluto was hiding from you well every uh, once in a while hades will uh, erupt from the underworld to, to to kidnap you back down into that awareness right yeah right so um as for yes yeah, so you know mercury as the psychopomp i think is a great um image to play with uh whether that's kind of plumbing the depths of your own psyche your own life you know there's the turning inward and diving deeper diving into um hidden things and i don't know i mean maybe there's more literal um interpretations of this you know <laughs> but but i'll leave that to the individual sure. um uh so that's a starting those are some starting thoughts yeah and and i agree i think that you know there's when we have contacts with mercury and pluto there's always, I like to think of Pluto as that plunger planet. I used to call it the, t the clogged toilet planet, but I've now like shifted to be like, okay, well, this is the actual action that may uh, help us to, to deal with the things that have been pushed underneath the surface or that we might not have been aware of or that have been hidden from our awareness. So I, I think that with Mercury moving retrograde through the third decan of Libra, you know, we'll talk about this in more depth as we get to that section of the, the solar time. But third deck in Libra really is about making adjustments, uh, being able to find a calm center within a chaotic situation that requires many, many small changes. And, you know, Pluto's hanging out in that third decan of, of Capricorn, which is generally associated with bureaucratic systems, 
um, with things like government, with things like administrative red tape. Um, so I do think that there could be some challenges as far as like, you know, our own, you know, peace and inner peace being disturbed by, uh, you know, some forces greater than ourselves. I know that for me, you know, this this experience I'm, I'm having today is a combination of that Mercury-Pluto square from my, my third to my sixth, you know, something that was sort of out of my control that, that came in and swept in and changed, you know, the <laughs> the uh, the rules a little bit. Um, and also the, the Venus-Uranus opposition happened right on my MC-IC axis, so that's shaking some stuff up a little bit here. But one of the things that I could say just tan tangibly about this is like in our area, there was many power outages and people are like, well, when, when is the power going to come back on? And, you know, we're dealing with the red tape of dealing with a, a, a large corporation like, like DTE that, you know, we're at the mercy of. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's serving as a Pluto. Right. That's sort of the Pluto. Like, exactly. So it's like, well, how are you going to be able to... To, to keep your own sense of balance while you're dealing with potentially some corruption within the system. And the, the corruption in the system like you know we have here is like, well, maybe there's not enough resources to take care of the trees that made the power lines go down or, or whatever. But yeah, I think that just on a more um, on a more type of abstract level, in, in addition to things like bureaucratic challenges, this could lead to things like, you know, becoming obsessed with a particular idea. I think that sometimes when we see Mercury-Pluto conjunctions or squares or contacts, we really are trying to dive into the, the depths of something and unearth it and ask really deep and probing questions. So there may be some really deep questions that come up around this beginning of the month, especially around fairness, though, and equality, because the sun is highlighting the things that are out of balance first. I think that that's the thing that we have to understand is that for us to bring things back into balance, sometimes we have to become aware of where we have an inequality. Yeah, for sure. And what's coming to mind for me right now, thinking about um, how this involves, you know, Mercury squaring Pluto is that Mercury is tr probably trying to deal with, you know, the details. Mm -hmm. um, and the details of of what is what is fair and what is just and when you're talking about the third decan of libra i mean i think sort of the, the narrative there is about it's like trying to find trying to generate find um and maintain balance amidst chaos but also basically trying to make balance where there is no balance or where it's impossible to find balance. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a place of tough questions. It is a, it is a place I am intimately familiar with um, right. as I have uh, some very important planets there in that decan. Yeah. Um, when I first kind of encountered the, the walkthrough of what this decan means, I felt extremely vindicated and validated because it felt like it was describing my life this whole question of like how do you um how do you stay balanced when sort of when you're surrounded by extremes mm. and, and or you're or you're plunged into situations where where there are too many factors 
too many realities and too many truths that you're trying to hold on to that you can't make simple decisions. Mm -hmm. um, so I, the way I think of it is it's almost like at a certain point you have to choose priorities and acknowledge that everything's not going to work out for everyone and everything's not going to be perfect. Right. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm living that this moment right now. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, there's so many factors that I usually just take for granted, you know, when it comes to doing these like live streams that, you know, something like a plutonic experience just through is throwing me completely out of that routine. And like you said, it's like, how do you make the small adjustments to be able to, to still maintain that, that functionality, that equilibrium and things like that as well. And I'm curious in the chat, if any of you are going through any similar experiences over the last day or two, where you've been thrown maybe out of your, your usual routines, and what are some of the things that you've been doing to, um, to maintain that peace? And one of the things, Jared, I wanted to, to, to uh, highlight is that it's not really about trying to find peace externally. It's more about how can you become centered and balanced and then be able to bring that to your environment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let me think about that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that makes total sense. All right. So that's the first day of October. And we have one more aspect that comes up before the sun uh, sachets into this second decan where we have a lot of action. We just have a sort of a minor aspect here with uh, Venus sextiling Pluto here. So potentially, maybe we'll get some assistance from Venus, although Venus isn't, is not super excited to be <laughs> in this area of the Zodiac either, right? Yeah. You know, I, tell me what you think about this, but I've been thinking a lot about aversions where, I don't know what the name is for these modern aspects, where it is like in conjunct and other, other kind of aspects in modern astrology where they are connecting through degree, but not through traditional aspects. Right. Um, so in this case, I was been thinking about how that, what that means or how that works or what it's all about. And it almost feels like while Mercury and Venus can't aspect each other and kind of can't communicate, which is a real bummer for, for Mercury because Mercury is in Venus's sign. It's almost like because they're both aspecting Pluto simultaneously, it's like they they can communicate, but only through Pluto. Yeah. Um, which is a mixed bag, you know? Um, sure. But it's like, I, so it's almost like Venus can help Mercury in the sense that Venus is making a sextile, a helpful aspect to Pluto, um, but it can't go directly to Mercury. So it has to go through some sort of, has to come in the, in the garb or in the costume of Pluto. Yeah. Um, through that through that square aspect which are both you know close enough at this moment to be in play um i, I like that i like that moment we're talking about not this moment right now we're just living the mercury pluto square True. as it is um well and get ready to revisit it though <laughs> whatever you're experiencing today there's probably gonna be some some version of it coming uh back we're not again. even retrograde yet oh yeah that's true oh, oh boy but we're getting we're close enough i think it's it's relevant um this yeah that third decan of scorpio is that's the seven of cups card and it's sort of like you're being presented with all these options all these temptations I like to think of Scorpio, and this is jumping ahead a little bit, but 
Scorpio is, since it's that Mars ruled sign, I think of Mars in two forms. You know, the Mars, according to, to Robert Schmidt of, of Project Hindsight, is a severing and separating planet. So in Aries, it's severing and separating to from the collective to be able to infuse into a body like in the next sign of Taurus. But in, in Scorpio, we are severing and separating from the body and returning that body to the earth through decay and returning to a collective. So I think with Venus, we may be having some final desires that are showing us that, that are maybe keeping us from you know, attaining that type of unity that we might feel once Venus moves into, into Sagittarius and the Jupiter ruled sign. That's a little bit different vibe. Um, I really see a lot of the Scorpionic stuff as, I don't know, like, like releasing old forms, releasing bad habits. I think that's something that really comes up in Austin's book quite a bit is, is habitual things that we've fallen into that may have, you know, are not really serving their purpose anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So that brings us to the sun in Libra 2, which we're going to be experiencing from October the 2nd to October the 12th. So you can see here, whoops, you can see here that as we move forward, you know, we're going to have the, the sun moving into 10 degrees of Libra. That's the second decan, the second 10 degree section right here, getting very close to Mars. Um, that second decan Libra is a Saturn ruled decan. It's a double Saturn ruled decan. Austin Coppock calls it two links of a chain. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of synchronized with the three of swords card, which is a <laughs> sort of a, it's not the most fun card in the tarot. If you've seen it, it's like a heart being pierced by three swords with like rain clouds in the background. Um, a lot of, of Saturn significations that Austin mentions is binding, uh, obligations, uh, distributing suffering. So th there's something where we may be, this is the negotiating phase. We realize that there's an imbalance. Now we need to renegotiate the contract. Um, we're going to see a whole mess of action here starting on October the 3rd. Oh man, that's going to be, this is going to be a fun one, isn't it? My friend, <laughs> <laughs> like this, this period of time is, is probably some of the most active astrology, I would say of the year. Uh, with many, yeah. many things, many different areas of life, just uh, coming at us all at once that are all intertwined. Yeah. So the first, first thing we've got is this uh, Mercury retrograde trining a retrograde Jupiter. So we, we've got uh, a four of swords energy with the third decan of Libra that we've been discussing. And then that seven of swords where we're maybe trying to leave the past behind. Uh, what do you see with, with Mercury, Jupiter? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting because, so this is another, this is one of those aspects that we've already had in the month mm -hmm. of September, um, which was, I believe concurrent with the full moon, um, in Pisces just a few days ago. Um, I think that's when it went exact. That's right. It was on Monday. Um, now, I, I don't know what to make of this, but something that I noticed the day of the full moon and the day of this, this Mercury-Jupiter trine was that suddenly the stock market dropped like 
dr- very dramatically, Uh-oh. which I thought was kind of interesting because it's not what I would have guessed uh, if I was thinking about Mercury and Jupiter making a trine, you know, um, uh, it's, that's a, that's a nice aspect. Um, two planets, one, you know, one planet associated with markets and one planet associated with wealth. Um, so I just, that just kind of grabbed my attention. Um, it made me really curious about what other sort of things we're going to see when this aspect happens, uh, two more times. Um, I think the third one is not till November though. Um, right. What it what it makes me think about is like I've been thinking about trines lately, um, and you know how, what to make of the sort of impetus that people put on trines. Like, make the most of this aspect. You know, when this aspect comes, you should do the X Y Z. You should try this thing. You should try to try to get something out of it. You know, mm-hmm. and I've been thinking, trying to reflect on like what what sort of things can you really get out of a trine? And 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 honestly, some of these thoughts are derived from watching your last monthly forecast with um, Sam Reynolds, something that he said about, he's talking about inertia, um, how things that are already in motion will kind of stay in motion. Right. And it, it made me think about the nature of trines as, as really reflecting like a sense of momentum. So that things that are already in motion, already in movement, things that are already kind of working are going to work great. Um, yeah. However, I don't think you can take a trine and just like magically, well, you can do magic, but uh, I, don't think, <laughs> I, I don't know if you can just spontaneously generate some perfect outcome in some area of life where there is no motion as of yet, right? Sure, um, sure. I think, I think they, they end up reflecting more of what's already working is going to keep working. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah um, definitely. Because you know, with but, the squares, you get the friction that that helps move you forward, right? Sure, and 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 or reveals problems that you need to resolve. Right. Um. So I think you know, I, I guess I guess part of what I'm saying is that seeing that thing in the news on that day threw me off a little bit. Um. Mm. And I'm trying to connect these ideas where there are there are things in motion. Um on an individual and collective level and uh they're going to keep they're going to keep moving um and whether you know just because it's a trine maybe they'll be good or maybe there's just an ease of movement yeah uh, that is reflected by that trine and maybe not always does it have to be something that we enjoy or well and i'll tell you what we're we're in in this day or so this this like last you know October 3rd through October 6th, we've got a balsamic moon here, which is also sort of about release, about tying up loose ends. And I think that actually really reflects really well with Jupiter in the third decan of Aquarius, where we're, you know, trying to find a harmonious way to leave the past behind and and embrace the unknown. So I would say that that period of time between the third and the sixth is is time to like, you know, come to terms with things, let go of the past. Uh, think about what you want to do as far as your new your new agreements. Like maybe reflect on your old agreements that you've had in various areas of your life. Because when we hit the sixth, uh, you're, there might be some renegotiation that that starts up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if we move forward here to the the sixth, this is Wednesday, October the sixth. Um, we are going to be seeing a new moon. So here is our new moon here, 
13 degrees of Libra, conjoining Mars. Uh, Mercury's still in the picture here, retrograde. Oh boy. This is, it's also conjoined to fixed, a fixed star called Algarab, which I thought was interesting. We can oh. talk about that in a second, but isn't that cool? Like yeah, it's not, a, it's not <laughs> an interesting, it's, it's uh, not the most fun fixed star. Um, for those of you who don't know about Algarab, it, it's basically in the constellation Corvus, the crow. And that crow was given a sacred task by Apollo to fill the, this divine cup. And he failed at this task because he was distracted by these like delicious figs or shiny objects or whatnot. And instead of owning up to the failure, he blamed his, his, uh, you know, you know, his, his, uh, I don't know, what would you say his character flaw on, um, the serpent Hydra that he was riding on the back of. So there's some, some themes of maybe some distractions eliminating distractions, uh, having integrity within these negotiations, like with this Libra two Deccan, um, you know, we really have to make sure that we're trying to create, I would say, win-win situations rather than win-lose situations. And that, that, that Algarab story really reminds me of like, you know, that crow created a win-lose situation where it didn't necessarily have to be the case. Mm. Um, you seeing anything else with this, this new moon here, my friend? Yeah, I'm just reflecting on on that and everything you you just said. Um, that Algarab story, I mean, or well, the Algarab story I had never heard before, so I really appreciate that. That's very interesting because the general associations that I've encountered about the star of Algarab are the concept of an ill wind of of gossip and malicious um, speech, lies, etc. So having this new moon, you know, be making such a strong aspect or conjunction to Mars and to have that fixed star so close by and to have Mercury retrograde seven degrees away gives me a lot of flavors of, you know, malicious speech um, and perhaps, perhaps lies, um, while in well you know we're, we're we're kind of framing everything in this narrative of negotiation mm-hmm. um because of the second decan of libra and all the all the themes of you know marriage contracts bonds um the, and the like so right, right. it makes me think that you know whether personally or collectively you know there's going to be a strong narrative going on of you know, taking a look at our contracts, um, either renegotiating them, breaking them, or just fighting over them. And that this, you know, being a new moon, I, I think will be probably the the beginning of of a month long, you know, story around those themes. Yeah, the seed. Yeah, the seed of not that it's complete, not that it hasn't started any earlier than that, but right. Um, certainly an important pivot point. Um, and it makes me think about a lot of things that are going on in the world currently, which maybe I can bring up now, or maybe I can save, but, um, well, we're getting there. <laughs> we're, clo- we're getting close to the relevance there. I mean, one, one other thing that's happening on this new moon is Pluto will be stationing direct as well, which, you know, like we were discussing earlier, it's not as, as, a uh, 
it's not always as big of a deal since it happens once a year generally. Um, but it, I think it is interesting that there is some kind of movement within a, an outer planet, maybe a more collective type planet, um, as we're seeing this this new moon type of energy as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as we are moving forward on the 7th of October, we're going to see a, a shift. And this shift is basically the ingress of Venus into Sagittarius. So what are some, uh, what is Our Lady Venus uh, experiencing here as, as she moves into the first decade of Sagittarius here? Well, I would say uh, maybe unfortunately, uh, Venus is experiencing a conjunction to the South Node. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes, for sure. <laughs> It's not, it's not just your typical let's all go party kind of Venus and Sag. Um, uh, so that's, that's a little bit of a, I don't know, I don't want to call it a paradox, but it's a very specific kind of energy or flavor that's happening there. Um, I was thinking about the combination of Venus and K2, the South Node, um, mm -hmm. and had to draw on some, some notes from class and, and think about some stuff. Um, and one thing that comes up is taking Venus away from its more sensory or sensual and material form mm. or something more abstract. Um, so in this case, you know, thinking about Venus as the planet of relationships, um, it really, I think it really brings Venus more into its, into its sort of abstractified or idealized uh relational form as opposed to having a good time venus sure. um, though venus and sag does love does love to have a good time mm -hmm. uh, so i think particularly given that venus is in this role of ruling the planets in libra which um are all concerned with relational dynamics at this moment um it's going to you know, put Venus as the ruler in touch with a more spiritual side as opposed to a more um, material side. Um, what do you think about? Yeah, I agree. I, I think that, you know, you talk about K2 as that severed body of a, a I don't know, a celestial dragon or a celestial demon in uh, Eastern astrology. And you know, you've got this kind of processing energy. Uh, you know, Hellenistic astrologers would think of it as a, a, a drain where energy was leaving the material realm. Um, and, and, you know, like in evolutionary astrology, they, they, they say, oh, the North Node good, South Node bad. But it's not necessarily like that with traditional astrology. They have one as a point of increase and one decrease. And it was actually more fortunate to, you know, align yourself with with the, the South Node in some, you know, forms of astrology. But I, I, what I would say is that there's something that is going to be ending that is related to Venus in, in your chart or in the collective. Um, we do see a dignity improvement from Scorpio to Sagittarius. But again, you know, the nodes are not necessarily like fun places. <laughs> That's where we get eclipses where, you know, that, that demon is literally swallowing one of the lights, the sun or the moon, right? Um, so I actually think that my, my initial thought with this is that we have 
some enthusiasm, right? First Deccan Sagittarius is really about speed, movement, enthusiasm, catching, you know, like, like spreading something. And, it, you know, with the South Node here, I think it's also about how can we compost an old belief system as well? You know, I think that we have we, we have certain belief systems, maybe in our relationships, in our social customs. And how are we going to release that to be able to create the new contract that wants to be born from these, you know, first few days of, of October um, that is going to be pretty powerful? I mean, this is this is something that I mean, th these are not just temporary cycles we're talking about. We've got a, a Mars Kazemi coming up the next day, which is the complete new beginning of a Mars cycle. So if we move forward one day to October the 8th, we're seeing here at roughly 15 degrees, 14, 15 degrees, the conjunction yeah. of the sun and Mars, right? That's right. And that it's is called Kazemi. 15 and six minutes. There you go. I, I agree with that completely. Uh, I think that's really interesting that sort of like there's a lot of talk in astrology about like release that which no longer serves you um but you know with with the south node here and, and venus making contact with the south node while ruling over this whole complex in libra i do think that you're identifying exactly the right thing which is letting go of some old dynamics to make room for what needs to happen here which is you know, we keep talking about it being a negotiation. I think a rather tense negotiation, yeah, uh, <laughs> with some, with some perhaps um, harsh words flying around, and perhaps very uh, passive aggressive behavior. Yeah, what uh, with Mars and Libra, indirect, right? Where where people aren't willing to just say what what is truly on their mind. It's always this kind of circumventing of you know, a direct expression, it, you know, because both of these planets, the, the Mars and the Sun, this is a house that they're both very uncomfortable in with the Sun in, in its fall and Mars in its exile. So they are not um, being provided with the type of resources that they normally uh, need to be able to do what they like to do best. And, and in the Sun's case, to be able to create vitality, to be able to shine, to be able to select and create honor and merit and authority and Mars being able to, I don't know, separate us from that, from the things that are, are together or to, to, if you want to flip it around to something positive, the circumstances that Mars presents requires action, courage, uh, the ability to fight for whatever it is that the, you know, the mistress 2K brings us that isn't so good, right? You know, Mars being the planet of bad fortune. Um, so both of those planets are not like, they're not feeling, <laughs> they're not feeling tippy top. Um, but I like the story you were telling me about the warrior with this, uh, Kazemi when we were talking earlier, can you recount that for us? Yeah. Um, well, I will first, I just want to comment on yeah. what you were saying. I think that a large part of this is because both of these planets are, you know, undignified here, I, th but, but this you know, this process is happening nonetheless. I almost feel like whatever it is, the, the negotiation and severing of contracts or renegotiation of contracts that we're, that we're seeing here is, is a very reluctant one. Mm -hmm. It's one that, that 
nobody really wants to have, but they have to have. Right. Um, so I'm hopeful that maybe the Mars Kazemi, you were talking about being indirect with Mars and Libra. Perhaps this would be a moment where finally Mars can be direct right mm. in the heart of the sun. Um, yeah. Sure, you know, it probably it'll be de- dependent on the situation, different, you know, different responses in different situations. Um, but I wonder if there will be breakthrough, you know, th- those problems will exist in this time period with a very combust Mars, but maybe there will be some kind of breakthrough and directness. Maybe that just means stating directly what the conflict is mm. or what the terms are. Right. So that there can be some more, some more clear negotiation going forward from there. Yeah. I like that. You know, and especially cause you've got to, the, you know, Mercury is going to be doing the same dance with the sun a day later. One thing I wanted to point out just, just before we move on from the Mars Kazemi, um, you know, I wanted you to recount that story that you were talking about with Austin, because I thought it was a really great way of thinking about, when Mars is both going under the beams, coming into conjunction with the sun, and then emerging, because Mars is going to emerge as a morning star on the 22nd of November at 15 degrees of Scorpio, a really powerful position for Mars. So uh, tell us a little bit more about your your thoughts on that, because I thought it was a really eloquent way of thinking about it. Yeah, so I, I will now recount in paraphrase what I what I got from class with Austin a couple of years ago, sure. um, having, uh, having looked up through my notes out of anxiety because we had to talk about the marks. <laughs> um, and what I what I you know rediscovered and was sitting with was this kind of image of Mars as a warrior and the, the full cycle of Mars um, in its uh, relationship with the Sun. Um, first as a- you're in an office. I am at my partner's desk. Okay. Those I think we're good. Oh, Spencer lost his power. Yeah. Night. Yeah. I haven't had power since 5 p.m. last night, and it doesn't seem like it's going to be coming back on for a few days. So I'm I'm displaced right now. Uh, and actually, it's funny because my, uh, my fourth house is Scorpio. So I've got a, a, an exiled Venus there uh, opposing Uranus. <laughs> like, um, but continue with your story, fine, sir. Yes. So the basic image here was of a, a warrior who, you know, in his first phase, the quote-unquote oriental phase, as in east, as in eastern rising, um, is kind of setting out into, into the world as a soldier filled with sort of young, uh, perhaps naive energy and enthusiasm, ready to go and fight for whatever cause, whatever cause has been given to this person or this figure uh, moves out into the world um, fighting with this freshness and enthusiasm. Eventually um, in the retrograde phase, um, there's a general idea of, you know, seeing the, the dark side of war, not that war is ever not dark, but seeing war gone too far in a way that it really corrupts or um, in some way, kind of what's the term i'm looking for mm. well, basically bring brings some bring some things to the warrior's consciousness that really trouble them mm. disillusionment uh, maybe disillusionment disenchantment yeah. that's what Dis- i said there you go yeah um which kind of like 
bring a lot of a, a grizzled and wizened awareness of the ways of the world and the ways of battle. Um, and then moving forward into the Occidental phase, it's almost like a a wise uh, veteran returning home from the war who then, you know, is able to go on some rants about like, well, when I was over there, this is what it was like and blah, blah, blah. Having a lot of wisdom and a lot of understanding, but also that, that carrying that disillusionment hmm. forward. And then eventually coming back into this, into combustion um, and getting close to the sun through a process of, of purification and burning away those experiences so that Mars can be reborn um, back into that that freshness and enthusiasm. So we're, you know, we're currently, you know, before October even starts, we are in that combustion phase as the sun is, are we combust yet? I think so. I think we are. Yeah. It's just, I think it was since uh, the end of August actually. Yeah. So, you know, as the sun is kind of chasing uh, Mars and catching up, we're currently in that phase of sort of burning away the experiences of the past, um, the past cycle, the past Mars cycle, which you know, I was thinking about it. I was thinking about where we were as a, you know, as a society or as a, a um, species, mm -hmm. uh, last Mars Kazemi and where we are now and what's all happened. And it's been a really profound, you know, um, little window of time where we've all lived through a lot and we've yeah. lived through a lot of, like, very difficult uh, martial experiences. You know, Mars has done a lot. Mars has seen a lot in it, in this, you know, cycle that it's been through. So there's a lot to burn away, I have to boy, say. Boy, boy howdy. <laughs> like, that's, I can't, you know, it just feels like a whole different lifetime. Like, what was the last one we had? September 2019, right? Was the last yeah. Mars Kazemi? Um, oh, and it was also very close to, to Mercury. It was, it, it was one degree away from Mercury at the time. Well, and um, what, 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 what makes me nervous about that is that you have Mercury in a place it likes to be and Mars in a place that it's like eh, fairly neutral about. But here we have Mars and the sun in places that they do not like to be. Um, and that, that makes me, that gives me some pause for sure. Yeah, I would say that it's not something that I've looked into deeply, like tracing Mars cycles based on Kazemi's and and what transpires in the intermediary is yeah. not something that I've ever so I so I I I understand absolutely what you're saying. Um, I don't want to strike fear into people's hearts. No, there's always definitely ways we can deal with uh, whatever we're presented with. That's the the beauty of humanity is our adaptability, right, and our ability to make changes. Hopefully, when when presented with the necessity to do so, although. The last few years have put that into question for me sometimes. Um, but, you know, I think we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. <sighs> so, so you had some interesting, uh, you know, collective stories that you were seeing that could be something that we could be experiencing with both this Mars Kazemi and then the Mercury Kazemi that happens the next day on the 9th. Uh, at 16 degrees of Libra. Yeah, so I've been I've been seeing some things kind of brewing in the news, and I've just been kind of paying attention to any story that seems like it's just starting, and there's much more to come in the near future. Because that 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 stuff kind of drew my attention. 
and apologies to our international viewers or should i say listeners because neither of us is on camera um mm. <laughs> that this the, the you know the things that are drawing my attention are are pretty u.s centric stories however hopefully you can derive from the you know symbolism um some more applicable meaning so i basically i mean any all the stories that i've noticed that i've been thinking about um and reading about all have to do with negotiations you know which is what we've been talking about for a while now um there's a few one is the the union um which is called IATSE. Well, it's an acronym. I don't know what those letters stand for, but it is union that represents um, crew members for til for, well, for TV and film productions. Mm -hmm. uh, has been trying to negotiate the producers' union about a number of things. I think it's like the end of their con their contract has ended or is ending, and they're trying to renegotiate for their next. Um, window of time like maybe it's three years or so a three-year contract and they are you know generally um experiencing a lot of burnout the people that work on film and tv uh and uh trying to deal with a lot of unfair conditions around work hours um low wages and one of the big ones is having no time to rest um right between so you know you'll have you'll have 16 hour work days and they'll they'll wrap up at like 2 a.m and they're like all right everybody see you here at 9 a.m um right. this is kind of taken for granted and it's been like this for a really long time but i think a few factors have changed one is like you know the, now they're doing it in a pandemic um another thing is there's you know with social media people have been sharing stories and a lot of people have been recognizing that they're not the only ones living like unreasonable circumstances um the other big thing that's happening is they're negotiating uh they're getting they get lower pay for work they do for streaming services so um they are trying to have some progress with the producers union to get um better treatment around these issues and they're basically getting nowhere with it and so it looks like you know most likely they are going to go on a strike which mm. would be pretty historic thing. I think there hasn't been a strike like that since around World War II. Wow. So we're going to be separated from our sources of enjoyment and entertainment. <laughs> right? That's amazing because I thought it was a great uh, symbol of Mars and Libra because these are the, the martial um, characters in a Libran environment mm. of, of create, you know, arts and entertainment. Um, right but they are martial because they're the ones doing sort of the backbreaking physical work. Um, that, I guess that's kind of a Saturnian thing, but there's also kind of an engineering prowess that comes with this, this area, this, um, sure. the crew members. So to me, it feels very Mars. Also, if you've ever been on a film set, um, the, the people themselves have a very brusque, uh, kind of quality to them. So yeah, there is a, there is a strong, uh, Mars flavor there. And I just thought that was pretty amazing um, with all of the second decade of Libra stuff that's looming and this whole emphasis on contract negotiations. Um, and then there's other ones, you know, there's uh, a lot of stuff going on in the US Congress. Um, 
you know, we're trying to fund the government, but also trying to raise the debt ceiling simultaneously. And we may be heading for another government shutdown. If not that, we may be heading toward another showdown of brinkmanship over whether to raise the debt ceiling, where it's one of these things where if we don't do it, we will default on our debts. We will send the whole world into total chaos. Um, yeah. So fun, fun times. Very tense negotiations happening there. Also negotiations happening between moderate and progressive Democrats. Um, overspending bills. And and then an, another one which I was following is this situation in China where there's a, um, a giant uh, housing developer, I guess, who they've taken on so many loans, um, like tons and tons of loans that they can't pay. And they're, they're basically indebted up to their eyeballs and they've been shutting down lots of construction projects. Wow. And they're a huge company. And so all these people have been investing in housing and in, in um, homes that they're planning to live in. And the homes are not getting built. And it's actually has the possible makings of like a financial crisis because it, in, it involves so many, you know, in the Chinese uh, system, because it involves so many other companies. And basically the, there's another showdown happening there, which is between this company Evergrande and Chinese regulators who I guess the, the I don't know much about this, but the Chinese government has a lot of leeway to decide how strictly to enforce these kinds of issues with debt. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the past, they've they've not enforced things very strictly, but apparently they've been trying to, um, you know, be more strict about enforcement in order to have a healthier economy. Um, and I guess tr- basically trying to like ease their way out of this housing bubble, which... Well, and I think that you, the, the key word that you're mentioning that, that really sparks, you know, second deck in Libra stuff is, is debt as well, you know, because it's like, you know, it's that Saturnian um, deck in, it's not just about an oath, it's about what is your, what do you owe someone, you know, what are you, what are you bound to, right? And sometimes it's, it's about how are we, you know, being able to uh, I don't know, fulfill our obligations. Does that make sense? And debt being a big, a big, a big theme with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, go ahead. Time, I, I, I can't think of another time where I've seen so many stories all kind of surrounding the same issues of um, where there, there's, you know, two parties hitting an impasse mm-hmm. like this. And I think, I think amidst, this whole story that's happening in Libra, even though it's not aspecting Uranus, it is tying in the Saturn Uranus square that colored this whole year, which I think is really what, with it being in fixed signs, it's really about like intransigence. Um, Is that the right word? That sounded wrong when I said it. (laughs) I don't know. That was, was, you got me on that one, my friend. One of those ones that nobody ever actually says out loud. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm trying to think of one of those like made up words from the Simpsons that that my partner always, it's, it's, that's perfectly cromulent word to me. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, I get the vibe, which is digging in the heels, right? Both right. and fixed signs digging in their heels and 
you know, when Mars finally does become visible, where's it going to be? Oh, you know, right in the thick of that Saturn, Uranus, Mars, T-square. So all these negotiations are leading into that next phase. Um, Yeah, and, you know, maybe you've got the 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 gripe that that comes to light with mars conjoining the sun and then we've got you know some kind of negotiation with mercury conjoining the sun and eventually the two of them come together if you could see on this day which is the the 9th of october you know we're gonna have a conjunction between mercury and mars as well um so I would say that if we're we're going to see this play out in the collective, you could see this right here with the 16 degree conjunction. Mm-hmm. But I would say also in our personal lives, there's there's you know as above so below as within so without as collective so personal sometimes. Um, if you find yourself in some kind of tense or heated negotiation, like Lisa is saying in the chat box. Uh, it's it's not necessarily a time for getting ahead at the expense of others. It's a time to explore win-win situations, which which isn't easy. And I, I agree, Lisa. Um, sometimes we're going. Libra season is interesting because it, it's you know being the fall of the sun, being the exile of Mars. It's not a place in the zodiac where you have you know completely unfettered uh, agency, right? It's always like there's always some kind of other that you are trying to take into consideration when you're moving about. Would you say that that's true with your your Libra placements as well? Yes, to a fault. Yeah. I was um, going to say my detriment, and I realized that was a loaded word. You're going to what? I said I was going to say to my detriment. Oh. I, <laughs> correct word for this particular moment. Sure. Um, I think, you know, one, one other thing that I thought was so funny is, is when you were sharing, um, you know, the promo for this, you were talking about how, you know, me being a Leo ascendant, I, I would carry the, uh, the visual like lo- load because you, you like to stay anonymous. But it's so funny to me that as the sun moves into uh, its fall, the ruler of my ascendant, here I am invisible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like me. Yeah, exactly. I'm in, I'm in your, I'm in your territory now, you know? So, um, so, so I guess my, my point with that is saying that it it probably isn't going to be possible to gain this like all or nothing type of victory. There is going to have to be some kind of push or pull. And, you know, we, we are going to have to release some of the, the pent up feelings of, of wanting to lash out because really, you know, that passive aggressive energy can really undermine um, trust between two people. Does that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that if we want to create an agreement that is sustainable, uh, we are going to have to give up some things. We are going to have to give up some some things that we're, you know, maybe very attached to. And, and that could also be bringing in this venus conjoining the south node on that same day right uh you know you are going to have to give up maybe even it's a belief system because this is another thing that i've been thinking about with libra in particular it's an air sign right so it is it is very in that kind of idealized realm this is something my a teacher achutababa says is that 
you know, you, you look at and you normally think of Virgo as the, the, the perfectionist of the Zodiac. But in reality, he, he's like, you know, it's probably Libra, you know, or, or air signs in general, because they're not even dealing with real forms. They're dealing with idealized forms, right? <laughs> like platonic forms. And sometimes it's hard because you, you're going to argue about something that isn't even uh, manifested. And sometimes the hardest thing to let go of is uh, a belief that we have based on what we perceive as perfection. Mm. So be careful uh, that you're not getting attached to just an ideal rather than dealing with uh, some kind of reality. I, th I think that's the, the key here is uh, you may have to ground this. It, it, the, the principle of the thing may be what we're arguing about around this period of time, right? Yeah. All right, let's keep moving. On the 10th, you doing all right, my friend? Yes. Good. Good. I, I, I really appreciate you being here. I, lo I love your insights. I've always enjoyed our, our chats. You and I have had these long chats just between the two of us for many years, and it's, it's cool to be able to share that with the world. That's right. All I right. Agree. So what we've got going on on the 10th is the stationing of Saturn direct. So here we see at six degrees of Aquarius, the great reaper is going to be turning its uh, tanker, <laughs> its tanker around and moving forward again. Um, thoughts? Yeah. Um, I feel like I wrote some things down. I'm trying to find them now. Um, so thinking about Saturn is um, going to be in, or I mean, it, it already is, but it's, it's in its occidental phase, but now it's going to be in its occidental phase and direct. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think there's, while Saturn has been in Aquarius really dignified this whole time, I think now we're, you know, the earlier phase of Saturn and Aquarius this year, I think was more about sort of building, building systems, um, building structure. Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more that, that word you used, uh, reaper. It's, it's in the reaper phase, right? coming around and delivering consequences a little more. Cause it's sort of, it's like, okay, we have, we've been through this territory. We've moved back, we've reviewed it. And now we're coming through with the cleanup yeah. and picking up all the debris, all the moral and karmic debris, as well as the systemic debris. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see, um, you know, on a personal level, what kind of things people deal with, whether it's, you know, reaping the benefits or the consequences of their personal choices. And then on a collective level, how, you know, how we're going to be moving forward with, um, you know, the implementation and perfecting and uh, of, of systems that we've put into place, especially right now, because there's been so many sort of dramatic and literal uh, manifestations of that idea. Right. And, you know, how, how that will, whether there will be a new sort of round of, shall we say, consequences 
for our actions at this time? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think yes. <laughs> like, um, you, you know, this, this uh, position for Saturn, um, well, in particular, Saturn is a planet that I think is a little bit misunderstood. If we want to put a positive spin on this planet, and sometimes it's hard to do it because the lessons that we have to learn that are Saturnian in nature sometimes feel so painful and, and, and cast us into this like shame or fear or guilt type of experience. But I think that ultimately, you know, and this is the planet that is exalted in Libra. So if we're thinking about how do we do Libra the best, right, is we're really trying to restore balance. We're trying to restore right proportion like the the uh, the spirit of the third decan of Libra, Nemesis. And sometimes it's through having to deal with the consequences of our action. And And I think that Saturn is a planet that restores balance through contraction. It, but also it, 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 I think it is a planet that increases that which is lacking, but, but takes away that which is excessive. And I think it's both. Um, but, but what is Saturn doing in that first decade of Aquarius? And why is it so powerful there? I mean, Schmidt likes to call that the planet of exile, the planet of denial. Um, and we're seeing that it's, we're having to distance from one another and, and like, you know, hover above the, from that 30,000 foot perspective and say, what is good? What, what are the rules that we're going to make that are good for the collective, not just for the individual, right? Because, you know, I, I read in this other uh, book about, you know, I don't know, is some traditional treatment of the planets where they were talking about Saturn as being kind of the blueprint that the demiurge Zeus or Jupiter was able to beget or create from, right? So maybe we, like you said, we've been renegotiating the, the blueprint of how we're going to, the agreements that we're going to have as a society to be able to move forward with something that is more, hopefully more just, not just for the select few, but for maybe the, the people that have been cast aside or cast onto the fringe as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. There is that that strong theme of exile um, in Aquarius in general, in the first um, in the first decan of Aquarius, and specifically with Saturn, the ruler of Aquarius, being there, um, and and those those who have been exiled, those who choose to exile themselves, which is something mm -hmm. that I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who I think are currently sort of like stepping outside of of what is considered normal society they just can't they just can't deal with it they can't put up with it and they don't want to be a part of it because society is moving forward right now you know we're, we're having to, with saturn and aquarius and with the sort of global experience we're all dealing with we're having to make hard decisions and find ways to create balance and create structure that can function yeah. um a lot of people are just like, no, I don't want to. Um, right. And I think I think that's going to be something that. Sorry if I brought it back to negative uh, territory. No, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a tough time we're going through. It's a there's a lot where we're trying to 
to parse out, you know, and you yeah. and I were talking about, you know, you know, conformity versus rebe rebellion, right? These and are really, it's really pretty hard to overemphasize how strongly those themes are present right now on a yeah. global level, conformity versus versus rebellion and the and something that you were saying earlier on the phone which i have to keep remembering that nobody else heard except for the two of us uh was that we're so accustomed to seeing non-conformity as a desirable valuable and idealized thing mm. we're so when i say we're so accustomed to feeling that way it's like that is in a lot of ways a cultural value that we are all ingrained in you know and 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 hold um whether through counterculture or you know just um because it's cool or whatever you know? sure sure well and you know one of the things i was pointing out is that a lot of the times uh being outside of the norm has worked out for you know people in the new age community or the occult community or whatever it is and we're being faced with certain situations where the common sense thing is, you know, to actually get on board so that you can stay alive. <laughs> you know, so like it's it's just something we've never experienced before. This is something I talk about with my partner all the time. Is is this situation? You can't use your past experience to be able to figure out how we're going to be able to move forward because we've never experienced anything quite like this in our lifetime. And that's so hard for people to like really, you know, wrap their heads around. Do you know what I'm saying? Even more than that, you can't use your personal experience. Yes. Oh, you know? I love it. I love that. <laughs> and this is the detriment of the sun, right? This right. Saturn Aquarius. Um, it's really the personification of the anti-sun. Um, it's, it's really not about you. You know, that can be about your personal choices or also like what you choose to believe and, and how you get your information. It's like, you know, your friend's cousin uh, is not the end all and be all right. uh, of how to uh, make choices here. You really have to expand outward and you have to like, I like what you said earlier about that really high bird's eye view. We all really need to adopt that bird's eye view in order to navigate the situation, not just to stay alive, not just for ourselves, but for, for everyone and for the greatest number of people. Right. And I don't know, it'll, it'll be really be interesting to see what, like how significant of an effect it has for Saturn to go direct. I'm sure yeah. there will be um, plenty, um, but it's not like, it's not like those themes have disappeared while it's been retrograde. Right. Sure. Exactly. I overemphasize like yeah. the grim is coming um for you know case numbers and, and deaths might be falling at this point um based on current trends i think i think right now you know at least in the u.s like the number of deaths is trailing you know the number of cases is dropping the number of deaths is still is still increasing so this might be the peak currently who knows i don't um, want it's, it's not just pandemic too i think when we're talking about collective you know i, I think that the elephant in the room that is I don't I don't know if it's not that people aren't talking about it, but I don't know why it isn't becoming more a priority. But, you know, if we're going to survive uh, the changes that are going to be coming with our climate, right, with uh, with this earth that we all share, where 
our own individual decisions do affect, you know, somebody on the other side of the planet. Um, you know, that's that's something that's really come into stark awareness um, for me uh, in in the recent recent times. Um, not that it wasn't always on my mind, but it just feels like all of that is accelerating to a little bit of a fever pitch lately. Would you what do you what do you feel about about that part of it? Yeah, for sure. And also, I think uh, to not, <laughs> I think to not perceive that in 2021 requires willful ignorance. Ooh. Can I piggyback off that for a second? Because there's a book that I love called uh, A Tiny Universe by Joy Usher that I've been kind of, I don't know, I've been, I've been singing the praises of here. Um, and she talks about Saturn in Aquarius in particular as you know, sort of the, the glass ceiling, which is really about the limitations of an idea and, be, and Saturn attempting to control the narrative through what information, not that they give, but from the information that they leave out, right? So like funneling what you actually hear or not hearing. Uh, and I, I feel like we've really seen that recently with like people basically like putting their head completely under the sand and saying, well, I'm not even going to pay attention to that part of the story that doesn't fit with my ideal, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Fascinating stuff. Okay. Let's let's keep on rocking here. I'm looking over in the chat box here. We've got some very nice comments. A couple people that were joining us late. Uh, we've got William here from Baltimore. Jody is here from Florida. Uh, Angela is coming from Paris. After school kill time. Um, <laughs> it's talking about the, the Nicki Minaj situation that's playing out. Um, EY has been going back to the root of what they love what centers them and what is thrown off balance in the first place. Words. Okay. Yes, I agree. Pluto comment. I remember. Yeah. Tarya is here from, from Helsinki, Finland. We've got our Finland crew with us. Astro Yogi Amanda is here. Nice to see all of you. Um, so I'm very glad that you're all joining us today. I'm talking with Mercurius George, a, a, an old friend of mine. Um, we're talking uh, the Aquarius, I'm sorry, the Saturn in Aquarius and Libra season. And we're going to be moving on now to the sun's journey through the third decan of Libra. And this is happening on roughly uh, October the 12th. You can see that the sun is going to be moving into the the last 10 degrees right here of libra and i just want to give you a little bit of a some some details about the third decan of libra shameless plug before i do that is i will be teaching an entire webinar on the decans of libra on october the 9th um that's a saturday at 1 p.m um there is still an early bird special that i extended to October 1st, because there was some uh, challenge with the, the discount code or something. So if you tried to put the discount code in and it didn't work, try again. Uh, and you can get 20% off up until the 1st of October. Um, so shameless plug done. Find a link in the description of the video if you want to join me for a deep dive. But this third decan of Libra, it's called the gyroscope in, in 36 faces. It's a Jupiter Mercury uh, ruled Deccan, if we look at the two different rulerships. And, and I think that the, the, the key with this one, and, and you know, Jared, you, you've lived this Deccan um, with some of the placements that you have in your chart. So you have firsthand experience, and, and I, I wanna, I'm going to toss it back to you in a second, but just some, some things that, that come up are 
the, the dime on our spirit is nemesis. And we talked about nemesis a little bit earlier about the, you know, the goddess that people prayed to, to, to restore balance, to restore right proportion, to bring things back into equilibrium if they had been wronged or if there was an injustice. Um, you know, Austin talks a lot about the eye of the storm, um, staying centered, like multiple little uh, adjustments that you have to make to be able to to be peaceful. And that Four of Swords card shows a figure that is laying in repose um, while there's some kind of conflict potentially going on around him. I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's some really interesting fixed stars in this deck and too. Spica is at 24 degrees along with uh, a little bit further along Arcturus. And Spica is very fortunate. And Arcturus talks about being more of a, a pathfinder and like switching from like a hunter-gatherer type of society to one that is more agricultural, kind of the, the, the journey of domestication on some level. Um, so tell me more about your experience with, with Libra 3, my friend. How, how has this played out in your life? And, and are there any poignant experiences where, where you've had to tap into this type of energy to, to uh, bring about equilibrium in your life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah, I mean, just, just my whole life. Uh, for those who don't know, I have this... We can't see your video, so I don't know what just happened there. But uh -oh. I feel like... are you? Are we still there? Oh, we're yeah. still there. We good? Are you? Did you maintain your equilibrium? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to maintain it in this strange circumstance that I'm in here. Can everybody see and hear us? Well, they can't see, but they can hear us. Okay, I'm gonna stop share. I'm gonna share again. How about this? Can you see now? When I said that, I meant they can't see our faces. I was just making a joke. Oh, okay. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you're freaking me out. <laughs> like, I just heard a, a very, a very crazy noise. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think I think we're good. Okay. Uh, it sounded like something fell, like a piano fell on on your head from the ceiling. But <laughs> no, I just hit my my computer. Weird. My whole setup is weird here. But uh, but yeah. So that's that's what my life kind of feels like. Um, no, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think this whole this whole concept of maintaining your equilibrium amidst you know a number of confounding and challenging experiences, which really are often sort of you know circumstances, the circumstances, the exceptions, which prove the rule, kind of. Um, uh, that may have made zero sense, but I'm going to roll with it. Um, you know, I think it, it, it's like, I, what I think about is how a lot of the older imagery for this Deccan shows, um, people engaged in wild excess, often to the point of violence or depravity. Mm, um, yeah. You know, which if you combine that, as with a lot of the Deccans and a lot of the imagery, you'll have seemingly conflicting imagery, but if you put them together, it kind of creates the, the whole picture. So if you take this idea of, you know, somebody engaged in some sort of like orgiastic nightmare, uh, <laughs> <laughs> put that side by side with the Four of Swords, which is this knight lying on, on stone or something in like a cathedral in a state of meditation, Mm -hmm. the way i see it it's like that night is if you could see inside his mind why he is in that state of meditation it's to cope with uh, an internal state which is 
pulling him into extremes, mm-hmm. uh, whether those are his own thoughts and feelings or just the circumstances of his of his existence or of his life. And so I think of I think of Libra three as being like, you know, if we view the the progression of this question of justice mm-hmm. of, in the first decade, we have the kind of call to arms, call to action, you know, right. it's an announcement of, of injustice. Um, and then the second decade is like a place of contracts and negotiations and, and marriage. So creating bonds, mm-hmm. ideally rooted in some kind of more just circumstances more equitable uh you know dynamics the third decan is sort of like the things fall apart decan it's sort mm-hmm. of like you know ultimately that state is inevitably temporary right there is no permanence yeah. to any of these bonds that we make um and so there's you know i think what what you're called to do in the third decan is to acknowledge sort of the transience of of really all forms of justice and equality and equity, which always have to be renegotiated, always have to be um, reapproached no matter what, right? Right. So right. when you the third decan of Libra, you're kind of face-to-face with that reality consistently or constantly. I mean, it's in your birth chart, like with mine, right? So yeah. I, I feel like my life or my mind presents those realities to, to me on a consistent basis, mm-hmm. I think transit, it will be emerging, right? It'll be coming to the forefront or coming to our minds collectively or, you know, in our personal lives. Yeah. Some of the, um, yeah. Does that make sense? T- totally. And, and, and I think that one thing that came up when you were describing that is that I think people mistake, what, what, one big mistake people have with Libra is that, that these folks are automatically like, always balanced or always peaceful <laughs> you know like i think if you actually look at a scale it's it's always moving right it's always kind of readjusting on some level and yeah. there is going to be st- extreme swings and it, it, you know you, you were talking about the work of making bringing things back into that equal place and i really think that this is is about that that constancy of it like you said that it's not just a oh we've signed the contract and it's over that's that's not what a marriage is when you get married it's not like oh now we're married now it's perfect (laughs) that's what that's what hollywood would have you believe sometimes but you know you get married and then it's this this these constant you know negotiations and renegotiations about what each other's responsibilities are you know both to each other and to the relationship and to reality. Um, and you know, it, it's, uh, that's why they say it's work, right? It's not just like, you know, happily ever after all the time. If any type of relationship requires that, that ability to constantly monitor if it's, if it's still working, does that make sense? Yeah. And to, and to find some kind of peace despite the chaos. Right. Right. Eventually you have to do, otherwise you'll go nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting someone for who who they are rather than what they are not. Right. Okay. So on the 13th, we're going to start out with a, uh, you know, we're, we're having another lunar phase here with the first quarter moon. So first quarter moons, um, 
generally are some kind of physical crisis point where we're trying to manifest something into being. And here, this, I got to say, this one looks a little bit funky, again, <laughs> because we've got the moon um, in its exile, along with, you know, squaring the sun in its fall. Um, so again, many of the themes that we talked about with Mercury and Pluto earlier with third deck in Libra and third deck in uh, Capricorn, I think are going to come to the fore again with the with this first quarter moon, like like some kind of bureaucratic challenge that could potentially, you know, that that needs that readjustment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and then on that same day, we've got a uh, Venus Saturn sextile. What do you think about that little sextile there in this first quarter moon? Well, for all the talk about um, contracts, you know, we've been talking about contracts constantly in this conversation. Yeah. Uh, I think a sextile between Venus and Saturn may not dominate um, the universe. <laughs> it, mm -hmm. it, it is helpful for anything involving contracts, anything involving, you know, making a decision and making a, an agreement between two parties. Because uh, a contract is very much a Venus meets Saturn kind of object. Um, and a sextile is a nice little aspect. Also, yeah. I think it's interesting that Venus is making constant sextiles um, all month. Right. Well, and you know, didn't they say in the theme of Mundi that the sextile is of the nature of Venus since the, the, the relationship of Venus to the sun in that Thema Mundi is that, that sextile type of relationship with the, the sun in Cancer sextiling uh, Venus and Taurus. And yeah. you know, you've got the, I think the moon sextiling, you know, I, maybe I got backwards, sorry. The sun in Leo sextiling Venus in uh, Libra and the sun, the moon in Cancer sextiling Venus and Taurus, sorry. Um, so yeah. What do you, how do you see sextiles as being different from trines? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the thing I've always encountered is that they're, it's more like they're there, but they're optional, mm -hmm. you know, whereas like a trine is really acting upon you or acting upon the world in some way. Um, sextiles are, are more like a helpful energy that you can lean into. Yeah. I'm not even a hundred percent sure that I, like agree with that not because i disagree i'm just kind of i still i'm still pondering uh, you know one thing that was it came up in some of my studies with uh Baba was he he talks about the the trine being the nature of, of jupiter and that that got me thinking to the the difference between jupiter and venus good um fortune i guess and the way that i've kind of settled on with that is that you know, because Jupiter is of the day sect, I think the, the good that we receive from Jupiter is m most often the result of the actions uh, that we've taken that can bring us honor. Whereas the Venusian good fortune is more about what we've, you know, opened ourselves to receive because it is of the nocturnal sect and it's related to the moon and fortune. Um, so maybe potentially there is help that we receive rather than we pursue with the sextile versus the, the trine. There was just some little, maybe a little, I don't know, something a little, little nuanced perhaps. I, I like it. Yeah. We'll roll with it, right? We'll roll with it. 
Okay, so we've got um, the 13th, and I'm going to move forward to the 15th, where we have the aforementioned, uh, the aforementioned trine aspect playing out with the sun and Jupiter. There it is. Yeah. I like that. So that's what, Friday? Friday the 15th? Yeah. Okay. Um, also, Sun's near Spica. That is a, a very fortunate fixed star. It's a little bit early for Spica. It's a couple degrees away, but Spica's pretty bright, so I actually think we probably still feel this a little bit. Um, Spica is like the very end of, it's like 23, it's like near nearly 24 degrees, right? Yep, yep, you got it. Thoughts on this uh, this this beautiful trine between the sun and the and Jupiter here? Um. Yeah. What do I think about this? Um. I think that. Well, it's interesting because Jupiter is about to station direct at this point, right? It's very. Yeah, it's close. Within a day or two. Yeah, it's pretty noteworthy. Um. And I guess I'm thinking about. Sun fall um, as a symbol of authority mm -hmm. or the sun as a symbol of authority and being in its fall being, you know, not, a uh, not at its best, um, <laughs> sure. not most authoritative. Um, so I, I wonder if this will be a moment where, you know, the, those who are solar in, in position, um, leaders, authorities, sort of the, the archetypal king will be getting some assistance yeah. uh, from Jupiter. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the fallen king, like saying, all right, Jupiter, you know, Zeus is coming along. He's like, all right, buddy, <laughs> lending him a hand, right? Um, and I, I also think of whenever I see the sun, I think of the concept of awareness and just things that are coming into conscious thought rather than like, you know, that are, uh, I don't know, behind the scenes. Um, so I think that, you know, all the things we've been talking about with Libra 3 about making the right adjustments, maybe at this point we come into awareness of what is necessary to, to create, you know, the good fortune that Jupiter is asking us to, to do by, by moving on, right? So maybe it's the right adjustments to move forward and take a leap into the unknown that will lead to honor and merit. Um, you know, the story I keep telling with this Jupiter is like the, were you um, familiar with the Olympics at all? Did you, did you watch any of the Olympics this summer? I didn't watch any Olympics this summer, but I, you know, I knew it was happening. Yeah. Well, the, the, the big thing I can say with that is that Simone Biles, like a, a gymnast, you know, she was having some challenges um, with her mental health when she was competing and she decided to withdraw and to, to stop competing. And eventually she competed again, but, but she was honored for that decision. You know, like the, it's, it, it, in, it's the opposite of the Leo Deccan where you stand and fight. So I, I think that really the, the, the actions that we take right now that will lead to honor, merit, good fortune, 
have to do with leaving the past behind. It's not necessarily about standing our ground on some issue. It's about saying, okay, what's best for everyone so that we can like, you know, move forward. Um, yeah. I see that coming to a head at this period of time. Were you drawing on, on Jupiter's placement right now? And like, yeah, yeah. The seven of swords deck in, right? Aquarius three. Aquarius three. Exactly. Was the moment when the sun was in Leo, like in late Leo? It was. You're yeah. right. There was an opposition between the sun and Leo three and the Jupiter Deccan. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Perfect example. Because, you know, you had people that were competing. Um, and I, and I've, I've told this story on the show before, but, but it was a really interesting moment for myself because my rising sign is third Deccan Leo. And I, I've admitted that my first reaction to hearing that story was I was disappointed because <laughs> she didn't compete. But after learning more about her situation and about the reality of the situation, I, I, I had a, a newfound respect for it. But, you know, but it was, it was so different than what you know, I perceived, how I've normally approached things. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, I, and that tension between those two. Um, but again, this is, we're in a different, completely different phase of all this now where now we're, we're working together to find those types of solutions that will lead us, lead us forward as a group. Okay, so the 16th of October, October the 16th, um, we are going to see a sextile, another sextile with Venus and Mercury retrograde. So a little minor aspect here um, between Mercury and Venus. So, so maybe some positive communications that come up. Uh, we've got... Because this is Mercury at its station degree, right? Right. Had been retrograde for a while. And now finally it makes this contact with its ruler, having been in Libra for quite some time. Maybe this is a breakthrough moment with the trine with the sun and, and the sextile with a Venus and Mercury. Yeah. And I, I think it's also just nice that like Mercury, um, the whole while that, you know, we're not even in the Mercury retrograde yet, but the whole while that we are going to be in it, it's nice that we're heading toward, toward this, that <laughs> this is, this will be, uh, the chart when Mercury is finally stationing direct. Um, it's going to get this, this little, uh, what is it called? Like an, I want to say alley-oop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I love it. So, yeah. so, so there can be a slam dunk, like, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's going to be Mercury's freeze frame mid slam dunk as it's stationary in the sky. Ooh, I like that. The poster moment, right? I don't know if it's true, but I still like it. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I think that that's the beauty of doing this exercise, right? Is knowing that all the things we've talked about for the last hour and change are, are some difficult things. Like I, it, there's no beating around the bush that, that the first few weeks of October are probably going to be some of the most challenging of the year. But since we know that that's temporary and that it does have ultimately have a resolution, I think that's one of the things that can help us to maintain our both our sense of hope, our sense of balance and inner peace, knowing that this moment will come. We just have to get through to the other side, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's like a moment of, you know, it's, it's a lot of, I think it's just a lot of 
uh, tension and it's a bit of a standoff, right? Yeah. That yeah. We have, we have to get through. Um, and, you know, and we will get through that. We will then head into other stormy weather. Um, but that's for your next episode. So <laughs> sure, sure. Lisa's saying, I wonder if an important leader will step down for the good of all. That's interesting, Lisa. I, I maybe. Um, I don't know if there's a, lib- a leader out there who is uh, willing. Having... To... <laughs> What's that? That I don't know if there's a leader out there who is willing to step down. But... <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Um, you never know. I, I, we'll keep our eyes on that, Lisa, because that that could be one one manifestation of this energy. I think that 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 is definitely um, a good way of thinking about and extrapolating and using your archetypal imagination to figure out what, what this could mean. And that's, that's a lot of what we do as astrologers is we, we see the symbols and then we try to make connections with, with the way that it could possibly play out within our personal and collective lives. All right, let's move forward to the 17th. Uh, <laughs> excuse me while I answer the phone here. <laughs> um, no, straight to voicemail. Uh, October the 17th. Sorry, folks, I'm pulling double duty at Tanya's work today. Uh, She's she's actually out at the farmer's market. She helps run a farmer's market um, here in our local area. And uh, I'm in her her, her office using her electricity today because we don't have any electricity at our house. So um, thank you for your patience, everybody out there and, and, and Jared for your going on the journey with us. All right, so on the 17th of October, there is a sticky thing, a sticky icky uh, with the square between the sun and Pluto. Now, Lisa was just talking about someone stepping down. Whew, I mean, Mm, I don't know if it'll be like voluntary if, if that's the case with this Pluto aspect, right? I didn't think of it, but now that you say it, this does have uh, scandal vibes. Yeah, yeah. Because well, we got. Go uh, ahead. Go ahead. Happens twice a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's in that sense, it's somewhat routine. You're always going to have Sun square Pluto um, right. at some point during the year. But you know what else is routine? Scandals. So <laughs> sure. That doesn't mean anything. Um, as in that doesn't that doesn't negate that meaning. Yeah, I think, you know, whenever we see contacts with the sun and Pluto, if you combine the sun representing authority figures, uh, representing, you know, awareness of things, you know, sometimes we get into an awareness of the corruption that's been happening in the areas that both of those planets are moving through. Um, and here, again, we have that, that, that Pluto in that third decan of Capricorn, potentially with bureaucratic uh, systems that we're a part of, um, you know, uh, it, it's also associated with the throne of power. So, you know, anybody who is, is sitting on some kind of throne of power could be exposed as some kind of, you know, have having some kind of corruption that is, has been repressed into darkness for a period of time. But again, I really, I like the fact that the sun, you know, even though it's not ideal for the sun, uh, it's we're still seeing the um, opportunity to make adjustments to react to the corruption that is coming to light, right? Um, 
So I, I think that this may be even whatever comes up, power struggle, whatever. I, I know I've seen with this combination, literal like abductions in the news, because that's a, a very plutonic story is, is Hades erupting from the underworld to abduct a young maiden or something of that nature. Uh, I remember a few years ago that like in um, Portland, where they were like having unmarked vehicles uh, abducting protesters in Portland. And that was during a Sun-Pluto opposition. Um, wow. And so I, I'm curious to see if things like that potentially uh, erupt from the underworld as well. The other thing that crosses my mind is that I, I'm jumping ahead ever so slightly, but I think sure. I think it's it makes sense. Um, we have the Sun basically at this point arriving at the degree where Mercury stationed retrograde. Right. It, Mercury was just slightly past the square to, to Pluto at the time. And we have Mercury just basically arriving at the, its degree where it's going to station direct. So I, I also feel like we have the sun here kind of shining some light on this area um, of the zodiac, this area of, of the world where Mercury first kind of planted its flag. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's, I wonder if there are some things happening behind the scenes that we're not aware of yet. That will come to light. That will that will kind of call back to late September. Well, we're not even to that full, that new moon yet, right? <laughs> you know, like in, it, as we record this, we're we're kind of you know throwing punches in the dark as far as like that goes. But you know, but you're right. I think that whenever a planet comes to the similar point where there was another uh, planet doing something important, similar themes can can come back around again and you know i think that the difference between a retrograde mercury at that degree in the sun is that mercury is going to be casting things into doubt whereas the sun is is, is probably more about shining light of awareness on something rather but, you know this is interesting about mercury mercury is actually the son of both zeus and maya which is a, a stand-in for the night so each of the signs, Virgo and Gemini, come before the sun loses power and the night begins to, to increase. Does that make sense? In the solar year. In the solar year, yes, that's correct. So like you've got Gemini right before the solstice where the, the, the peak moment of the sun and the sun begins to descend in the sky and the night begins to increase. And then you've got Virgo directly before you know, the fall equinox where the night starts to take over and gain more power and increase as well. Um, to our Southern Hemisphere listeners. True. I'll see you. True. That's always, that's always stumped me. I don't have a, a, great, a great answer for, for, for our Australian friends or whatever, uh, except for the fact that we're dealing, um, we're dealing both in a system that was created in the Northern Hemisphere and also something that is archetypal in nature uh that's the best that i've got with that do you do you have any have you thought about this at all jared thought about a lot i've heard of, i've heard a few takes that that handle it well i'm not always i don't know if i'm good enough uh, to generate one myself um although i do think it's interesting that generally speaking the way that the seasons are experienced in the southern hemisphere doesn't really it's not just a reverse hmm experience in the northern hemisphere um it's a little more complex you know a lot of a lot of places will just have you know the rainy season versus the dry season or something like that right uh, i think a lot of our ideas about the seasons are 
really rooted in, you know, Europe and the Americas, or really just the Northern Hemisphere in general, which has a more sort of standard of like summer, spring, fall, winter, et cetera. Um, So I don't even think it's a question of reversing it. I think it's, I think it would be a more complicated or nuanced Hmm. ask to make sense of, of grafting the, the seasonal, you know, narrative onto the, the Zodiac in the Southern hemisphere, but but uh, yeah, I don't know if we're gonna solve that today, though, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, we've got some good comments coming in. Prudence says that an Alberta premier is being pressured to resign right now. Uh, so there's, you know, this, this is kind of a, <laughs> this is, this is, yeah, we got the the uh, the the signal from the universe that that was important. With you know the, the phone. <laughs> God's phone is ringing right now or something. Sorry. Um, and then uh, EY is saying, what's Libra without scandal? And both uh, Libra and scandal were capitalized. He said, they say not Libra. Um, so, uh, and then EY goes on to say, I don't know why I capitalized scandal, but I'm aggressively here for it. The longer I stare at it. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Very um, on the mind. That's why. You- <laughs> yeah. What's that? Sorry. A joke about the show called Scandal. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Okay. So we've got the the sun square Pluto. Um, Just be careful of, you know, whatever comes up. Make make sure you maintain your um, integrity that that you're not tempted to abuse power around this period of time. I think that's something in the personal that we may be tempted to do is because there's some corrupt element that comes out, we may be tempted to, to, uh, I don't know, not, not be tapping into our higher self and using maybe some kind of base, base, uh, technique to, to get past it. So I would resist that. Um, if we move forward to the 18th, this is, this seems to be sort of the, the, the pinnacle of this this two-week period that we were experiencing where we had a, a ton of activity. So a number of things are happening on October the 18th, which is a Monday. Mm-hmm. We are going First, we are going to see two planets stationing direct on this day, both Jupiter stationing direct at 22 degrees of Aquarius and Mercury stationing direct at 10 degrees Libra. Uh, Mercury will also be making its heliacal rise at 10 degrees, which means it becomes visible again. So you could see here in our chart that Mercury will be moving outside of that 15 degree place of invisibility in a, in a condition called phasis. And phasis is something, uh, an omen that is speaking. So something that is speaking much louder. So some messages that we receive are going to be important on this day, um, p- potentially through, through resolution of those contractual negotiations. The other thing we're seeing is a Mars-Jupiter uh, trine at 22 degrees of uh, Libra and Aquarius, respectively. So what do you think here? We're also building to a full moon uh, the, the, in, the, in the upcoming days as well. What do you make of all this, this moment? Yeah, it's a big one. Um, something that I thought about, which may or may not be, you know, important, uh, is I find it interesting that both Mercury and Jupiter are going direct on the same day, especially this year, given that we've been 
having all of these eclipses in uh, Gemini and Sagittarius. So in a lot of ways, I think that Mercury and Jupiter have been sort of like um, kind of, what am I saying? Um, they have been really sort of influencing our world and, and changing, changing our world worldviews and our in our lives and experiences we've been really like going through the ringer of mercury jupiter themes collectively about um what is true and uh how information is distributed and the like um so i don't know that that just calls my attention um does do you have any thoughts on that yeah yeah because you're, you're talking about the the hosts of the nodes right that's great that's a better way to put it right so we've got the the north node in gemini being hosted by this mercury down here and the south node in sagittarius being hosted by jupiter so you know we've been asked to have an increase in our in our ability to see ambiguity to ask questions, to see nuance, um, to to be able to communicate from multiple or a multivalent perspective, and we're been been asked to reduce maybe this kind of Jupiterian um, all-knowing type of attitude, right? Where it's like, oh, I I know this, and I'm not going to question this. I just have faith in this complete ideal or whatnot. And with Jupiter in, in the last decan of Aquarius, we're going to have to let go of some old beliefs. You know, like I, this is, I think, the most difficult thing for a lot of people during the, this these last two years is that they've done something a certain way their entire life. And they've had it so ingrained that that's just the way life is. And this has just been such an experience that has shaken us out of like just complacency, but also shaking us out of our routines in a way that is just, I don't know if we're ever going to go back, quote unquote, to the before this time, right? You know, th yeah. there's a reason that people were talking about that moment with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and air signs for the first time in a couple hundred years. The reason people were talking about that was such uh, interest is it really is a, a completely different mindset for humanity and i think we're still just trying to make sense of it you know i think that's the phase where we're just like what does this mean like what does this mean for how we get along as a species right yeah, yeah. I, I gotta say i really like how you framed the passage of the nodes through those two signs respectively that really it's so it was so like it was such a perfect and clear uh application of somewhat simple ideas but which i hadn't quite put together like that um yeah. and i think especially with the with the with these planets stationing like a a big part of it is like they're just like look at me you know <laughs> like yeah just yeah. like i'm here and i'm staying here for a minute uh i'm drawing your attention i'm drawing your attention to this area to these topics um and so it just feels like whatever whatever you know comes about with those stations whether they're really strong events at that time or not um that seems like an important turning point in what's been a story around 
you know, the tension between Jupiter and Mercury that's been going on all year. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it's going to be uh, highlighted by the fact that we're going to be coming to a full moon. You know, something is coming to fruition, the, the fruiting phase, right? So we've got this full moon on October the 20th uh, at 27 degrees of Aries, the moon is going to be opposite the 27 degree sun in Libra. So, yeah, we've got a newly direct Jupiter, a newly direct Mercury, Saturn and Jupiter are both direct, Pluto is direct. I, I, the only planet that's still retrograde in the sky here, are two planets are the outer ones of Neptune and Uranus. So all of the things that we've been feeling as far as like, you know, maybe feeling stuck, this is a, a period of time where we might be starting to to feel like the, the the motion, the wheels are starting to spin again, right? Yeah, definitely. And think, well, go ahead. It's like the moon is ruled by Mars, very combust and in detriment, but, you know, newly off its Kazemi and newly off a trine to Jupiter. Mm -hmm. So this Mars is just so interesting and complicated. <laughs> yeah. And Mars is on Spica here too. True. Which is, which is interesting. I, I, I'm trying to figure out how Mars would use Spica energy, right? Versus like something like Venus. Yeah. Help me out there. What do you think? Well, one of the things with Spica is, which I usually call Spica, but I'm adopting Spica. you. Okay. No, sure. I think yours is fine because it is actually referring to a spike, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, you know, I think one of the one of the meanings of spica has to do with like design. Um, if that makes sense, uh, try. I'm I'm kind of failing to gather my words here, but um, there's this aspect of how things are put together, um, how things are designed on a sort of grander scale. And uh, I guess Spica kind of grants, as somebody with a, with, a, with a big Spica influence in my chart, I'm really failing to have the design. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, the, my, the things that come into mind with Spica are, it is in the, the wheat that is in the hands of Demeter in, in the constellation of Virgo or Astraea or however you want to think of that goddess. It, it's the culmination point of the harvest cycle. It's like the gift that you receive after all the hard work, right? Um, they also called it Stella Maris, which was a, a, a star that was offering protection to sailors, like because it was it was some kind of fixed point in the, in the sky with, that they were able to navigate towards. Um, so, you know, the combination of those two things and about being able to figure out, all right, what have we, what have we gained from this, right? What have we learned? What is the, what are we harvesting? And how do we, like you say, put it into, how do we organize it? How do we put it into to practical use? Um, how do we put it into, uh, you know, integrate it into the system that we have, right? Yeah. Thank um, you for there. I guess where I was, I was toward some... Um, yeah, no worries. No worries. Problem solving. 
but sure. in this larger sort of perspective of some of making something beautiful. Absolutely. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out with this full moon is, you know, this Deccan of, of Aries is really about winning over a hostile crowd. Um, they talk about, I believe it was called, what was, oh man, help me out here. Do you remember what the th third Deccan of Aries was called in 36 Faces? I'll tell you in one second. Burning Rose, right? Burning Rose. A rose of flame. There you go. A rose of flame. Yeah. Burning. Like, so, so this kind of like, in, in, you know, getting passion, right? Like, in, like, but, but I think he compared it to like a, a, a stand up comedian, right? That is, is trying, is, is being heckled and, and through his humor, through his charisma, he's able to, to create buy-in on some level. So I think that there may be part of that is, is as we go through these negotiations, these, this push-pull, this, this like win-win situation, there may be a point where we have to use our charisma or use our humor or use some of that to like, you know, get to the finish line, right? To get, to get over the, the hump, to, to finally move forward. And it is going to be squared Pluto, so don't expect it to be, <laughs> expect it to be completely easy. Um, some of those, those bureaucratic corruption issues may be present also yeah. but we'll we'll do a we'll do a whole um live stream on that uh around that period of time um so stay tuned I'll, I'll i'll keep you all updated around that time um so we've done the full moon on the 22nd we're heading around the bend here you doing good jared you good i am doing good yeah. Okay, we're heading around the bend here. Thanks everyone for sticking with us. I know these are these monthlies are marathon sessions, um, but I really appreciate all of you being here. And um, yeah, we'll, we're we're heading around the, the the final turn here. So on the twenty second of October, uh, we are going to see a square between Mars and Pluto. So again, we're we're seeing all of these planets take turns going through the square to Pluto, right? You know, it was Mercury, it was Mars, it's the sun, but now Mars takes its turn. Oof, what do you got for us on this? <laughs> well, I'm just kind of still um, reaching for or, or trying to ponder what Mars is gonna be going through what mars is going to be like in this time period because it feels it feels very complicated with mars yeah. and mars combust um the you know me having this meeting with mercury earlier having that trine to jupiter uh there's a lot going on and i feel like what one thing i i want to say is um this whole kind of narrative that we've been kind of centering as our monthly theme about negotiations, mm -hmm. um, I think it would be unwise to to think that it's going to be resolved all that quickly. You know, mm. I, I don't think this is something like any of these any of these topics where those are happening in someone's personal life or in the collective sphere. I don't think they're all just going to kind of like get worked out on the Kazemi, right? Sure, that's going to be a moment of clarity and breakthrough, and then we're going to you know, then Mars is right back into combustion and a total lack of clarity, you know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, Mercury has been retrograde up until just a few days earlier. Like we're still very much in the the murky area with all of this stuff, but there's been movement at this point. So I think within these stories, again, whether personally or collectively, there's going to be a lot of like a lot of different little ebbs and flows, a lot of, you know, moments of, oh, some assistance here. And then, oh, like a total, you know, unexpected clusterfuck here. And so <laughs> yeah, story, it, it's helpful for me to frame it in that larger story. Yeah. Uh, ours is going to be having a, a quote unquote clusterfuck moment in this square to Pluto and probably a confounding challenge. Um, the question then being, you know, who in, who is Mars in the scenario or what mm-hmm. is um, I'm thinking about, for instance, what I brought up earlier with the, uh, you know, what I imagine is going to be a pretty drawn out negotiation between the, the IATSE, the, the, uh, the TV and film crew union and the producers, um, you know, coming, coming in, coming up against some kind of really corrupt, uh, you know, under kind of like the underworld of the film industry represented by Pluto and then them having to really deal with that maybe at this moment as just one part of this whole story. Um, And there's going to be a million stories like that. Um, Yeah, I I was doing some some backlog homework with this to see what happened the last time Mars squared Pluto from this particular degree and I had to go back to 2019 so it was November 4th 2019 and this was the day that Trump had to turn over his tax returns to to some authority figure uh, because of his his, you know tax evasion or whatnot Um, and personally I I was looking in my journals one thing I highly recommend for everyone out there who's learning astrology Keep a, keep a daily journal and write some of the aspects that you're experiencing on the margins. I do that every day. And so I can go back and look for where that aspect was and see exactly what I was experiencing. So I had, you know how I've been talking about Pluto as the plunger uh, on the clogged toilet? Well, my house, my house had a clogged drain in the basement. <laughs> like there was shit all over the basement. Anyway, literally I had like a plumber come out and unclog like and, and destroy a bunch of tree roots that had like um, clogged up the whole house drain, right? Um, and crazy, right? That was when, when Mars was around this degree in Libra. Similar degree, yeah. It was about 20 degrees Libra and 20 degrees Capricorn, but, it, yeah. but close enough in the same decan that we may see some similar stuff. Um, I also had the, uh, my attic was getting cleaned out and it was very disruptive and, and it was weird. And, and I had some conflicts in my teaching work where I was, you know, experiencing some, some real challenges with some of the, the students I was working with at the, I used to teach music classes and there were some personality conflicts that I had to navigate uh, gracefully to not create a bigger issue. And yeah. I was looking at my journal. I was like, I think I passed the test, you know, <laughs> like, but, but uh, yeah, it was not fun. And it was, it was something where I had to maintain my inner equilibrium when I was faced with a, a kind of like, a, I don't know, a, a, maybe almost like a violent challenge. Yeah. And um, yeah, so something to think about. 
Yeah. Well, I think the 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 example of the tax returns I find interesting because it's really like it's really a fight. You know, in this case, it was a fight to uncover this hidden um, piece of information related to you know power and corruption, which I think has really been the clear theme of Pluto in Capricorn Three. Mm-hmm. Um, really, like uncovering profound and profoundly disturbing um you know ingrained power and monetary corruption and the like um and so there's probably a fight yeah probably a fight that needs to be had here um and i think that if i had to make a prediction i bet that will i bet that uh theme will return that specific narrative will return around this time maybe not publicly but if not publicly then behind the scenes because well, and, I, and have we had a resolution of that? Is that? And I think that the next chapter is coming, not in, not the, the next full chapter, I think is not coming in October, but I think it is coming in November. Yeah. Um, yeah. The next, so which is to say the next round of indictments. Yeah. Yeah. So well, keep your eyes peeled. Some developments in that story leading to the, uh, the whatever comes in, in November. Indeed. Okay, uh, we've got some comments in the chat box here. Um, so EY is saying, we are making this an absolute treat. Thank you, EY, we appreciate you being here with us. D uh, says, these marathon sessions are what we want, exclamation point, yay. Okay, um, and, and Tarya is saying, what a marathon this October is going to be, uh, I agree. And then Lisa is commenting that for some reason, uh, I was thinking about people who are thrown into the volcano as a sacrifice. The people demanded it. Also, the story of Jesus before Pilate and cr- the crowd yelled, crucify him. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Um, demanding blood, right? Demanding sacrifice. Uh, definitely volcanic themes with, with Pluto, for sure. And Mars kind of exacerbating the, maybe the more violent fighting side of it, right? Yeah. Okay. So that gets us through the end of Libra season, I think, unless you've got anything else on Libra season, we, we're going to head into Scorpio season here. I think everybody is going to feel a little bit of relief seeing the sun move out of Libra. Uh, at least I think I probably will. A Libra season is always hard for me. I'm a, I'm a Cancer sun and Mercury, and I always have some of the most challenging times of my life around Libra season. And, and being a, a Leo ascendant, it's like double whammy because that's my uh, the ruler of my first house. Um, so I will welcome Scorpio season. Yeah. Nothing I mean, against that... nothing against the Libra folks out there. Like you all are wonderful. Um, and it really goes into fall, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I so, think the biggest source of relief here when the sun moves into Scorpio will be that sign boundary uh, between the sun and Mars. Yeah. Yes. Just a, you know, just like, just give us a moment where the sun and Mars don't have to hang out and we don't have to be concerned with, you know, conflict and, and tension uh, at all times. I'm into it. I am into that. Just, just getting them away from the negotiating table for a period of time, right? Just, just saying, okay, take a break, go to your separate corners for a little bit of time. I think is the vibe we might be able to see. Um, yeah. It's, it's not all sunshine and roses when the sun moves into Scorpio, though. Uh, 
you know, this decan of Scorpio, uh, Scorpio one is, has a synchronization with the five of cups. And in that five of cups card, we see a, a cloaked figure in a black cloak that is standing in front of three spilled cups, but with two cups still standing behind him. And there is associations with grief and mourning in this decan. Uh, but also, the, the, you know, Austin calls it a jawbone, where he's talking about desire. Um, the daimon or spirit was the, in the 36 heirs of the zodiac was the nymphi, which were objects of desire. So I think we're really, Scorpio is about that hunger for something that has potentially already outlived its efficacy. And we're, we're going to be face to face when the sun moves into Scorpio 1 with you know, desiring maybe something that is about to, that needs to be returned to the earth, right? It needs to be let go of. That's the inner tension here in Scorpio, I feel. What do you think about Scorpio as a season in general? Well, I am, uh, I'm partial to Scorpio. Um, perhaps that is my Scorpio placements speak. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I have some stuff in this deck in of Scorpio. I definitely relate to that that theme of of hunger. In in my case, though, it's a it's Mercury, so um, it's a it's a hunger for thought and knowledge and communication and other Mercury topics. Um, so tell me, wait, but tell me more about a hunger for something that needs to be let go. Yeah, I, I think that Scorpio is that time of year that is where the fall it becomes solidified, right? So we have this initiation of fall in Libra, but then, you know, everything is starting to, the leaves in the Northern hemisphere are starting to fall from the trees. We, we, instead of the fecundity, like Austin says, of Taurus season where the microbes are getting active to be able to create fertility, those same microbes are active to be able to, to break down the old form to create future fertility, right? To be able to go into a rest period. And I think of this as the time where we're, we're preparing to return to spirit. Like in the solar journey of the year in the Northern Hemisphere, the sun is starting to get weaker and it is starting to, you know, we're getting to that Sagittarius period where that's the last period before the rebirth in, in of the you know of the sun in capricorn right with the, where the days begin to increase again at the winter solstice so there's this feeling of like trying to cross the finish line of trying to separate from a body to be able to you know rejoin some kind of collective essence mm. and yet at the same time experiencing these cravings Right, right. Paradox of the Deccan. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and think about it again, as we get the introduction of the theme in the first Deccan, we have the, the solidification of it in the second one. In that second Deccan, you got the Six of Cups, which is a, a nostalgic card, where we're like really trying to think about the past and, and we're haunted by the memory of an old form on some level. And in by the third Deccan, we're we're tempted to, to try to keep something alive that is, you know, now be, you know passed into 
illusion, right? And and we can do all sorts of horrible things to like try to keep an old form alive that that doesn't have life in it anymore. I'm thinking about like a I don't know, like a necromancer or some, something that, or even like Frankenstein, right? Like all the horrific things to be able to breathe life into something that had died. Uh, just, and maybe you can think of more literary illusions that that would be appropriate for. I just went, my brain went straight to Frankenstein. So yeah. I'm nice. Sick, uh, basic high school English bit. <laughs> right. Right. Um, okay. So, We've got Scorpio season. That that may be the vibe that we're experiencing with Scorpio season in general. Um, I think that the thing that I would uh, advise is it's important to grieve your losses around this period of time without getting fixated on them. When I have clients that come to me with these placements, I often tell them, feel your feelings, but then shift that perspective towards the gratitude of what you still have. Because in that card, if that figure were to reverse perspective to the cups that were still standing, it, it would be able to lead them over a bridge to this castle of fulfillment where there's no longer a blockage of a, of a river. So I, I think that it is important to like acknowledge what we've lost. And maybe in a contract negotiation, you know, there's going to be some things that we had to give up. You know, if, we, if we're trying to create a win-win situation, that means that we didn't get every single thing that we wanted and we may have to give up some of that to be able to to move forward and and maintain that whatever that agreement was that we came to um and we're gonna see some challenges with the sun you know the sun starting to is, is in a whole sign square now with saturn right yeah and on this first decan day well, not the first decan day, but we're going to start to see as we move forward through this decan, um, we're going to have Venus making a square to, to Neptune. So Venus-Neptune, <laughs> I have this in my chart. I have a Venus-Neptune opposition if we're talking about like personal oppos you know, experiences. <sighs> this, is, this, is, this one though, this one's funky. What do you think about Venus Neptune here? What are your initial thoughts on that? Uh, um, I mean, I, I keep uh, my brain just keeps stating the word illusions, which is not particularly uh, original or brilliant, but um, <laughs> it's it's what it's what comes to mind. Yeah. Um, certainly, it's easy to have romantic delusions um, yep. with Venus square neptune um if anybody you know i know i've been almost exclusively talking about collective experience in this whole conversation but i think that will be a time to watch out for your own uh personal romantic illusions right. at this um i'm also but i'm also curious about you know Venus still is um doing an important job ruling these these libra planets which are which are still there, Mercury and Mars. And so I wonder how it's going to affect Venus's position as the ruler of Mars and Mercury, which are, so it's just like the negotiation cleanup crew um, work, working out all those details, remaining details of whatever has gone on there. Um, so this, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't bode well, I guess, for that task, <laughs> I would say. 
Well, and you know, you bring up a good point about the the host of these planets because I think the first week or so of Scorpio season, we are going to feel like we're a little bit in the, you know, I don't know, in the fog. And and I and, and not just because of this Venus Neptune square, but because look at look at Mars and it trying to provide resources for the sun. They they are in aversion to each other now and not able to, you know, Mars is not able to to witness the sun any longer. So Yes, that may feel like a relief, but it also could leave us in this feeling of like limbo as well. Um, uh, it, it, the, the word that's coming to mind now is hangover. Like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Hence, kind of back and forth going on for so long, um, trying to work out all, you know, all these dynamics, relational dynamics and whatnot. And then the sun finally gets some relief and it's like, okay. I'm going to take a break, but okay, now I have to start processing what I've lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have this Venus Neptune square. And, and as you say, the, the aversion between the sun and Mars. So I think there's just kind of like a sense of like burnout and, um, and just, you know, may, pr- which makes me think probably a good time to schedule some, some taking it easy. Yeah. retrograde. <laughs> You've survived sun mars conjunction um you've you've done your best at the negotiating table and now it's time to sort of just like give yourself some space well, well taria says we should all schedule a venus neptune unicorn ride <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that's what it is going off in our imagination right um ey says a thought crossed my mind a venus square neptune burning through the fog of illusions that have helped facilitate coping mechanisms which is to say survive uh right survival is what we've been going through the last few weeks uh and that is not easy a hangover that sobers you up to your own folly yeah i could see that too um i think that there's there is definitely potential for us to to act out of character with some of the things that we've been experiencing over the first weeks of october and you know, this may be the, the reality check, the sobering reality of, of where we really are versus where we wanted to be with the idealization of, of form with Libra. Um, yeah, I think that a couple, just a couple notes with that Venus-Neptune square. This is, that third decade of Sagittarius is, is the Ten of Wands where we're kind of carrying a burden, a great heavy burden um, and feeling exhausted, but also barn eager that's the word i like for that decan you know like a horse that know that recognizes it's been on a long journey but it's ready to it gets a little burst of energy to like get it home right and and then neptune is in that decan that's associated with uh, a crusade or a sacrifice for for an ideal like you know it's a martial decan in pisces where it's saying okay i'm willing to give up everything to 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 get this like spiritual vision um, so we, we, again, I think that it really, it, it speaks to the feel, feelings of being exhausted. I don't know about you, but Neptune stuff always makes me feel tired. Uh, you know, it's just like all the energy is just drained out of your body when you have a Neptune type of experience. Um, yeah. And maybe it's transcendence, but I don't know. I just feel extreme fatigue. Fatigue and also like ex- uh, distraction to the point of, of exhaustion where like things are pulling my head left and right. 
for so long that eventually I'm just like, I don't know where I am anymore or what I'm doing. This disorientation. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, and as we move forward to the 28th of October, we're going to see a sextile between Venus and Jupiter, which that looks nice. I always like those contacts here. I'm telling you so many sextiles. Yeah. So sextiles. This is like the, this is the saving grace of the month. Yes. This, the sextile saving grace say that seven times succinctly. Uh, in succession. <laughs> See, we're getting to the, the, the silly part of the show here. <laughs> oh, okay, so we've got a nice little sextile between Jupiter and Venus, probably some sort of assistance uh, on the journey. Hopefully, you know, the rest has done you some good and you're able to kind of pick up your, you know, get back on the horse and, and get back to the get back home after the the rest at the oasis um that that also that day is also uh showing us a last a last quarter moon here which is a square between the moon in leo and the sun in scorpio yeah usually when i see this i just am like hey don't get into a fight that that you take a position where you say i'm i'm right and no matter what you know like you know, like your ego or your pride gets involved, uh, something of that nature, because that can get really destructive, especially with some of the other stuff going on. What do you think? Especially when you've basically got a loose grand cross in fixed signs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, because we've got, <laughs> yeah, because Saturn's involved too. Um, Uranus. Yeah, Uranus. And, okay. So we've got, oh, jeez. You're right. It, you know, it's it's coming up. Um, Ugh, that's yucky. <laughs> you know, you said you've taken, you know, hopefully you've gotten some rest and you're ready to get back on the horse. And I was thinking, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to get back on the horse because we're going into a sun Saturn square. Right. Uh, we got the moon going through fixed signs, encountering all that stuff. And so it brings up my, uh, my earlier word, which may or may not exist, which I'm pretty sure exists intransigence. Um, <laughs> yeah you know folks maybe have started to process what they've lost and they're back to the negotiating table for that last round right. and it's a moment of digging in people are going to be digging in their heels mm -hmm. and say wait this again we're still talking about this no i'm done you know um i'm done making concessions attempted yeah, yeah it, it's tough when you get these planets squaring off in fixed signs because like you said people are just getting entrenched in their their own position and the flexibility that was even maybe even present within a cardinal sign let alone a mutable sign is just not nowhere to be seen around this period of time um you know we've got two things happening on uh october the 30th uh what is that all hallows eve right um, you've got a phone call from the divine that you need to answer. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm like doing secretarial duty here on, on this live stream as well. Hello, Township Farmer's Market. <laughs> like, um, anyway, so this is this is actually probably a, a, one of the most important aspects of the month is this Sun-Saturn square. Uh, we've gone through the negotiation phase. And we're, we've seen whatever results have come from that, you know, either 
uh, agreement or breakdown of an agreement. And then we're, you know, getting into this point where we're grieving the loss and we're, we're coming face to face with the reality, the sober reality of what we are, you know, what we're facing, right? Yeah. Honestly, it, what it makes me wonder if, you know, I think there's going to be many different circumstances that sort of uh, manifest these narratives we're talking about, and they're not all going to end the same way. But it does make me wonder there's going to be if there's going to be some areas of, you know, our lives and our and, you know, what's happening in our collective sphere where they just nobody they don't work out a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, where things just don't work out. An impasse, right? Impasse that really lasts is is possible in some some areas um, with so many different kinds of negotiations happening and you know this could be this could be a moment where the the you know the negotiations that have really stalled might might it might be clear now like okay that's a that's a truly an impasse that's actually not going to happen they're not going to figure that out yeah um, this sun saturn square and with mars entering scorpio and thus introduce reintroducing the mars uh saturn uranus complex that we have already lived through once this year i don't like once it or <laughs> I, don't like, yeah. I mean mars squared saturn is is tough i mean that's a overcoming square from a super powerful mars to a super powerful saturn i mean think of it like this if you know mars is weak in libra right it's kind of like okay i'm gonna fight but i'm gonna like do it with a smile. I'm going to stab you in the back with a smile on my face, right? But when it gets into Scorpio, that's when like all out like legitimate warfare breaks out, right? Where it's like, okay, uh, I'm actually coming for you ninja style in the night. And, uh, you know, <laughs> like uh, ruthless, ruthless intensity to get what, what you want, right? Yeah. Uh, it makes we've me nervous. Got, yeah. And we've got a, uh, a f we've got a, a newly um eastern rising mars while it's it's still invisible mm -hmm. but it has some fresh enthusiasm right oh yeah it's ready it's a it's got morning morning energy let's say um and then we have a direct saturn right uh, and you know i think on some level we're kind of looking ahead into november i think the last few days of october really just introduce what will be the main narrative of the following month? Hmm. Um, you know, like the I think the main story of October is over at this point, and now we're getting into like something that's not going to really be played out and clarified until later into November. And it definitely starts here, right around, right around Halloween. Yeah. Uh, well, and think about this too. It, it, like, if Mars wants to take action and move forward. It's hitting the brick wall of Saturn here, you know, it's saying, it, I mean, to me, this is frustrated action and all that that entails, you know, because of there is a, a collective need to maybe take a step back and not do something. And then all the, the feelings, the intensity of feeling and the grief that comes up sometimes when people are faced with loss that's when they start lashing out. <laughs> so I think this is a, it's a dignified Mars, but that can be for, for better or for worse. Like there could be situations that require that type of martial courage. 
Um, but there could also be the, the the other situations where just you know the the misfortune part of Mars, like the the bad fortune, the bad two K, um, where that is increased as well. Uh, yeah. So and, interesting. And Mars and Scorpio. I I'm thinking about strategy. You know, this is a strategic Mars. It's not it's not Mars and Aries just kind of like showing off with its kind of wild sword play, right? right. This is um, this is Mars that's really has kind of frightening intensity and intention to succeed in its uh, in its you know its aims, but coming up against Saturn, which I think is going to be a, a, an epic showdown for the ages. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, just thinking about how the sun is caught up in this, was the sun nearby in the last, like in the Mars-Saturn opposition um, in, that was in like June and July. So I think, I think the sun was not entangled in that. Mm, when, was, when they were opposite this, this July? this year yeah because i'm thinking uh, the story where basically mars comes around and triggers the saturn uranus square from fixed signs you know it was it was in aquarius um at the beginning of the year it was in yeah i think it, it the sun might have been involved in that because that was around leo season that that was happening i'd have to look for sure but definitely some probably some revisiting of some similar themes that we were going through um, with that as well. Um, yeah, I think that we've got some nice comments coming in here. Uh, <laughs> EY is saying like a thief in the night for sure. Um, D is saying it sounds like a build up to something that and Lisa says I don't like it. Uh, no phone call first before the attack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree, and 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 it might be a build up to something, and I will give you a date to really keep in mind to where whatever is brewing here is probably going to manifest. And I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this is, I just want to show you real quick, the the moment that I think this whatever it is is bubbling over. This is when Mars makes its heliacal rise uh, at 15 degrees of Scorpio, right as the Sun moves into Sagittarius on November the 22nd. Um, so just mark that on your calendar and, and whatever is going on with the Scorpio stuff, like it's probably going to become visible and recognize that this Mars is one that's uh, willing to plot a demise as long as it takes, right? <laughs> like, uh, it's not like, oh, I lash out, like you said, with Aries and then it's done. No, it's like if you wrong this Mars, it's going to file it away, write it down and say, okay. I'm going to make my strategy for complete annihilation when you least expect it, you know, um, which makes it very dangerous. And uh, also at that point, it's free from the, the square to Saturn. So it's separating, it's separating from Saturn, separating from that constraint by right. the time it's visible. Right. And it's just gone through that opposition to Uranus. Yeah. So like <laughs> we'll see. Mark it down, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. But anyway, that's what we've got for October. Um, wow, we did it. Wow. Uh, so a few, just a few things before we wrap up here. Uh, I, at the end of these, I like to do an I Ching to talk about the essence of the, of the, the month um, and do an animal to give people maybe some things to think about and ways to deal with this energy. We've outlined what could or could not happen, but what do we do to be able to like uh, 
work through it. And that's what I like the I Ching for. And, and in this I Ching reading I did, I got a one hexagram that was had no changing lines, and it was number 47, and that's called oppression. Uh, other other um, interpretations of this translate to exhaustion, being restricted, hardship, adversity, inner affliction, dried up. So this there is a, a, a an image of a, a river that was draining away a lake so that it became like barren and did not support life anymore. So inner exhaustion and outer oppression or a tree that is trying to grow, but is in a very tight space and is cut off from the things that it needs to truly spread its wings or its, or its branches or its, its leaves or whatever, whatever metaphor I'm trying to mix there. Um, and then one, one other thing I will say about that, there is a, a, a translation that I like by Jack Balkin, where he has a quote about this. The Oracle says, oppression, success, with perseverance, the great person brings about good fortune, no blame. What one says is not believed. So he explains this Oracle as a test of character, being able to wait out the hardship and stay grounded and centered, which sounds a lot like Libra 3, right? Uh, and remaining determined, you know, use your inner tranquility is the key connecting to the center of the wheel rather than getting cast about by all the, the uh, twists and turns of fate and fortune. And one thing that stuck out to me is, is he says that it's easy to have faith in peaceful times, but the test of your faith really comes when, when you are facing difficulties and when things get rough. You know, I, I think that that may be what we're facing here as, as a potential difficult time that requires faith uh, and extra effort in that in that regard. Um, and then the animal that we got here was the shark. And the shark has significations of de determination, strength, speed, ruthlessness. Like a shark, when a shark wants something, it's not going to be denied. It's going to like go full speed and with teeth bared, right? So potentially the, with a shark, maybe there is a need for tact, uh, a, a caution that, that we can become frenzied or agitated if we don't slow down. A happy shark is one that's just kind of, you know, going through the current at a leisurely pace. Um, I would also suggest maybe some exercise or blowing off some steam. Get yourself moving so that you don't have all this tension built up. Um, but, but again, check, check your ambition as well. It, there's what I've noticed over the last few years, and you can, maybe you can attest to this, Jared, is, is that a lot of people have had certain dreams that they had for their life, and they've really had to make certain adjustments, whether it's delayed gratification or completely changing that ideal in the, you know, completely, it, it, you know, it's, and that's difficult. And I think that that requires a lot of, um, mental discipline and mental focus that I think that Saturn is asking from us. What do you think about that, about like pursuing a dream within a period of collective crisis? It just makes me think of that four of swords card. Yeah. Uh, just with so much ongoing uncertainty and frustration, um, that image of the, of the guy lying down in that state of repose and state of meditation and we know from our discussion, there's a lot of, you know, inner turmoil that's happening. And this is how he gets through, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think all of us, especially with, you know, these um, adding these layers of, you know, oppression and 
and sharks mm-hmm. um we're all going to be be called upon to seek that that kind of like inner inner peace um navigating very uncertain terrain and uh yeah and just like like this kind of standoff energy yeah we're talking about um yeah absolutely so everybody out there it may get a little rough this month but hang in there cultivate all of the things that you've learned to keep yourself peaceful maybe bring that peace to your environment slow down rest if you need to rest try to create win-win situations Uh, be honest especially at that new moon so that you don't create more challenges for yourself in the future through maybe not having having through potentially having an integrity lapse and we'll get through this together right Uh, as as a community and hopefully we'll we'll come out on the other side uh, with some kind of new reality that's more fair and equitable for for everyone not just for a select few all right yeah go ahead I said, and back up your computer. Oh, yes, there you go. Yes. It's ready. Good now. Mercury, Mercury retrograde, right? It'd be in September, but still. Yeah. Uh, yeah, back up your data. Okay. Um, so uh, for those of you out there, if you are new to this channel, um, please hit that subscribe button. You can help us out by hitting the like. If you want to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Also have that Deccan's webinar coming up soon. Remember that the early bird pricing ends on October the 1st, so make sure you sign up before then if you want to get 20% off. Uh, Mercurius, what, where can we find you, and what kind of things do you offer for our uh, our participants here today? Yeah, so I have a website. It is just mercuriusgeorge.com. I believe it is below in the description. Mercurius spelled as if it were some kind of Latin term, which I don't know if it is. Maybe it is. Um, and I mostly at this point am, I, you know, I do readings, consultations, um, birth charts and, and transits and whatnot. I have plenty of openings in October. Well, not that much, but I have openings in October. Um, I will probably take a, a break in November. So if you're interested in having a reading with me, I would suggest that you take a look at my calendar. And by the way, if you have trouble finding a time that works for you, always feel free to send me an email. Otherwise, I'm just uh, always studying. You know, I feel like I feel like my main thing with astrology is I'm just trying to catch up on the stuff that I have learned a little bit about, but not enough. So that's that's kind of. <laughs> my main pursuit other than readings and uh you will also find me uh on twitter uh at mercurius george which is my sort of home base uh being a bit of a clown um so hope to see you there yeah thanks so much for to everybody who stuck around for this epic conversation it was really fun and this is my first time kind of like stepping out even this much to uh use my voice uh in a live recording um so it was really fun for me and thank you spencer for for having me i'm glad we got oh to do- it's it's my pleasure man i i you know you did a great job and this is not going to be the last i guarantee it like you you have yeah. a really great way of of contextualizing things and you're a great storyteller too um and i've always enjoyed that that ability that you had with your music as well so um, I hope that you keep keep up with it, and and I would love to have you back on on here to do this again. 
Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for hanging with us today. And we will see you the next time. I'm going to have Melissa LaFara on uh, October the 1st to talk about the new moon in Libra. Uh, so make sure that you tune in for that. You can set a reminder. And um, we'll see you the next time. Thank you, everyone. Take it easy.